Hey guys, we're back with part two of Gentleman Jack Crack Nightcap 105.5. that iPhone? Let's take another look at your past, perfect. Yeah, you noticed that we had to split up this. Uh, we really did this episode it's only because it was six Heck hours. Of a lot. Um, Too but, many hours. Yeah, I mean, usually there would be a poll, but since we were already like behind, it's like you know, yeah. what, let's just let's oh just man, do this because we were dying. For a week. So, no poll. This is just what's happening. Enjoy the second half. Thanks for listening, guys. Yes, we really do appreciate each and every one of you. Thanks so much. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. It's It's Gentleman Jack. Crack. Cue that fucking jaunty music. Nineteenth century. Groveling. 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 Good lord. In this recent episode, and certainly in the next episode, as far as we can tell, uh, one of the running themes is faith. And in a sense, fatalism. What, what happens with what you believe? What happens in the afterlife? And so on and so forth. And so, personally, how do you feel about these subjects? Spirituality. Faith. Religion. Are you, is it something you're comfortable with? Is it something you're, you shy away from or? As I'm dying. Um, We both are literally dying, blowing our nose in between these. Sorry, guys. Uh, So I'm one to think of fear and faith as like the plant and the roots where. um, Oh, what do you mean? Like together? Fear. Okay, no, go ahead. um, Is more like, yeah, the roots that kind of like. The roots that kind of like uh, uh, bog you down and hold you steadfast into your face so that that can bloom and prosper above ground. But a lot of people have it kind of inverted where it's like their faith is their root that keeps them somewhat firmly planted Mm -hmm. in the ground where they can move about. But depending on how they view their fears, those actually sprout out above ground and then they're very i don't want to say two-dimensional like a flanders kind of a thing but they have hard nose which okay. is it's good to have hard nose but when it's hard nose based on the unknown right it can literally shape how you can live your life to the point where you are limiting you're limiting how you can interact with other people objects things disowning family members casting people out because you think that it's not of it's not the way you're supposed to live like it's you adopting the nature of like an automaton like you're not a robot and when people use religion to do things like that to make you control people because that's the one thing any person technically should not be able to control is another person right but I mean, it's me watching other people use religion like that as a weapon to harm people who are in your core or in your unit to be able to, I don't know. Uh, It's, I respect and understand how it works, but when I see it used as a tool, it makes me angry. And it makes me wish I could just send everyone to therapy, but I can't. So not a religious person, you are obviously. I mean, I Would you understand say spiritual. It. Oh, where yes. are you in the spectrum? I am someone who can yield to 
the ebb and flow of like a moment. I could sit somewhere still. I could be in a room. I could sit in a funeral and feel like I hear a phrase and understand that that's a phrase someone is thinking that's like really, really close to me and like, like feet from me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm hearing this thing and it's because that's what they're thinking really loudly. Right. And I'm just sensitive enough to pick up on it. Um, I respect uh the elements i respect i respect like the energies the synergies um i i could see someone feverishly going over text making hoping that they're doing and getting it right with the terrifying crippling fear that if they've not got it right that's eternal damnation is like what awaits them Mm. so that's I you mean in terms it. of the practicing of like a religion? Uh, yeah, or just someone. It could be someone. But I feel like most of the practitioners they already catching L's. They are. They. I mean, are. That's, wait, did you say you went to Catholic school or private school? Uh, no, I, I more of my schooling was public, but I understood and respected certain portions of the Catholic schooling that a lot of my peers went to. <laughs> and things go down in there. But I mean, when you think of the shame that a, when I see a, or think of the term practitioner, I'm thinking of these teachers who are literally not living and walking as they talk. And I think of uh, the enforcement of almost any policy. You think of any uh, grandstander who goes against or has a bone to pick with all these protections against those um, who are on the uh, LGBT spectrum, who will get caught out there in all these scandals, doing all these things with these rent boys So many scandals. and Or, you know, just, um, again, like law enforcement, not obeying the law, mm-hmm. doing vandalizing and other things, um, killing people for no reason. I don't know. A lot was going on. Yeah, I mean, religion is weird because, like, well, the big elephant in the room is colonialism, right? And yes. so we'll just say the Christian wing because it was really Christian Christianity and Catholicism that stomped out. And they were like, hey, 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 everyone needs to change and adapt and do these things. And if you don't, death, perhaps, famine, starving. There are so much foul things to be said for holding religion in one hand, but also a piece of bread and being like, well, if you want the bread, take the religion. Like, that's... Yeah, that's, that's coercion. Yeah. That's coercion. And so I feel like it's a complicated subject depending on what country you come from and how aware you are of the history of it. But then at the same time, I feel like if you're a Catholic or a Christian and you're European or European background, like all you got to do is look at what the fuck's been going on because the, the church has been fucking over European people, especially uh-huh. all the places where in Ireland where they had all these fucking um, schools and commas and shit where like years still after the fact, stories are coming out about abuses and sadism essentially in these schools on top of whatever sexual assault might've existed. It's like, okay, like clearly something was festering in this system of stuff for a long period of time. But I guess what I was trying to get to is that religion is that big ugly thing to me. Like it's a big moving machine of sinister proportions and agendas and things that don't really have the, be- the people's and that would just be the populace of people on the planet. Their best interest in heart. It's about someone else's very special localized private interest. Uh-huh. And when I was at that podcast festival, um, a number of weeks ago now there was a speaker there and she was like a, a wellness spiritual wellness and spirituality podcast and speaker and she says something that really caught my attention um 
when she was talking and she basically was going in about Christianity and all the negative things that can come out of Christianity and, oh, it can be this and, you know, myopic visions and oppressive and racist and all these different things that can happen depending on what section of it you're looking at. Mm. And so this guy stood up and he was like, yeah, so knowing all this about Christianity, like, why? Why? You know, why do you still practice it or why do you still care or what was going on? And her very simple answer was her mother. She was like, well, it's because it's what my mom gave to me. And I sat and I thought about that for a second. And I was like, oh, that's relevant to me because I am very cynical about religion, organized religion. I'm very sardonic about it. My mom is a religious person. She goes to church every Sunday. And so it's not like my the balance that I walk between like my my ideas and my thought, my own independent feelings about these things is tempered by the reality of my mother. That my mother is the best person I know for sure. And if if I had to like point a finger and be like, what's a real Christian look like? It would be my mom. And so in my life, it's similar to this, what this girl was saying or akin to what she was saying that like Christianity would be completely invalid for me, especially based on historical context, if my mother did not exist to be the living arbiter of what the religion can produce versus the unfortunate reality of the hypocrisy that you generally see, which is what I saw as a child. I, mean, I was an eldest child for a while and always the observer. I like to watch and listen. And you know, when you're a kid, so many people don't notice that you're watching and listening. And one of the things that bothered me from when I was a kid was I was like, why is everything so artifice? Why is it so artificial? Like you're here, you're putting on this face, you're saying this thing, but over there, you're doing this other thing mm -hmm. and it's not matching and I'm confused. <laughs> I'm confused because it's in great contradiction of what you're saying to me. And I feel like that's that that's that's where religion is, that it's in some in-between phase for me where I'm not I don't I don't have to be rigid to a structure. In a sense, I'm I'm similar to Ann Lister and other people where I feel like your relationship with your God or what you believe in is personal. I don't think you need to gather entry through a, a, a system of doing things or a certain dogma. And if you don't do it that way, then it's not going to work. I agree. And also, bonus points, <laughs> you don't get to break up with somebody for God. Oh, you, what? Oh, are you speaking I, from experience? I'm speaking from experience. <laughs> you don't get to magically then come back into that person's life and try to convert them for what? their salvation you don't get to do that that sounds like the devil's business I'm i don't like it just saying i don't like it because god and i have an understanding just like i hope god and, and you, you know have what? an understanding well i think and that's the thing too i think there are many roads to the divine i'm you know so in that sense i'm not an atheist i do i don't think i think i like science too much um to be an atheist and that's part of one of my beliefs i mean obviously that's a biased belief because there's plenty of scientists who are atheist yeah. or agnostic but then there's also a bunch of scientists and people who love science and nature and things and things and things and mathematics who aren't and they're like I see the divine in these things in the structure of the world numerology like whatever there's plenty of ways to be like well I, I really do think there's a bigger design here but ultimately I just sort of feel like if the intent behind the desire to connect to the divine is there that there's any number of roads to get there, depending upon where you're born, where you are in the world, and your ethnic or social background. 
You know what I mean? Like take Quakers, for instance. Some people like to pray traditionally the way you would find prayer in a Catholic or Christian church. But Quakers are silent. And I think there's a lot of beauty in being silent to pray in the same way that meditation. But, you know, that's different than, say, chanting in Buddhism. Right. Um, or what you do in Sikhism, or if you're a motherfucking Farsi, of your goddamn Hare Krishna, like whatever your bag is, I feel like if the root of it is what, in my opinion, are the solid tenets of most religions, which is compassion, kindness, humility, like don't kill, you know, like revere life. And for me, that means all life, the animals, the plants, like everything uh -huh. should be revered, the cycle. I feel like if you're keeping to those general ideas, then you probably got some of the right information. I'm not going to to know what the right information is. I'm just going to say that there are certain things that the oldest religions have in common. And if we look at those non-toxic things and it's like, hey, be a decent person, be generous, don't be a dick. Right. Help somebody if you can. And so those basic ideas, they all appeal to me. And with enough, you know, the travels and stuff I've done, I would be ridiculous to think, well, if you're not a Christian or if you're not Catholic, then pff, no divinity for you because that's absurd. And then it kind of feel like sometimes it's like American gods where like they had like 82 Jesuses <laughs> in that scene that like depending <laughs> on what church you're in or what, what kind of faith you grew up around, who knows? Who knows? What you're, what you're going to get in that bag and whether or not it's going to be non-toxic, I suppose. I don't know. You know, uniquely for us in the Western Hemisphere, when it comes to liberation for brown persons in Latin America, the Caribbean, and America, that suddenly faith plays a part for melanated persons. Like, it plays a part that it does not play. It's the opposite part that it played in colonialism, which is like the colonialists saying, here we are with this religion to oppress you and to co-sign your oppression. And then here's the brown folks like, oh, I learned to read. This scripture says something else. Yep. You, you are the one oppressing. No, I'm going to get free. And, you know, we cannot divorce the history of civil rights in America and certainly many other neighboring countries without also saying that this person was here who was also identified um, as a believer in this. And that was part of it. I mean, hello, Harry Tubman. And so... Uh, I said all that to say that I feel like Christianity gets um, more, it has more goodwill from me than maybe it would have or should have if I did not have a very specific ethnic backstory that finds pride and um, what's the word? Uh, like if there was divine intervention of any kind, I do believe right. that Harriet Tubman, you know, was one of those people that literally defied the whole world and wanted her dead. And so I just, it, it's always been a hard line to walk, which is why when we said, oh, you know, religion connecting back to my mom and that whole thing is where it has its real tangible threads because as a system, as a moving system of rules and a hierarchy, it's, it's right. bereft. Are, it's bereft of morals. problems. Right. It's lots of problems. It's so many problems and so much hypocrisy. But like anything else, I feel like, Aspects of the civil rights movement are basically what I try to say about any religion, that when you have earnest practitioners who find the truth and beauty within these texts, they can live and excel as persons because that's also a very real thing that Quakers are on the tree of Judeo-Christian stuff. But as far as, you know, slave liberation, emancipation goes, the Quakers were among the first you know, people right. to be like, this is morally repugnant. This is definitely not of God. Right. So that's not to say that at one point the Quakers were like, we have slaves too, because they were, everyone was. But they they were able to come to the conclusion sooner that, oh, this is fucked up. This These is, are, they're just they're, like us. They're humans. So what are we doing? We're being greedy and disgusting. Let's stop it. And so 
that's sort of what I mean is that there's the thing, there's the machine, there's the moving beast, and then there's the individual persons on the ground floor who are making words real. And if you're unfortunate enough to be exposed to just the negative and the bullshit and the hypocrisy, you're absolutely like, fuck church. And there's many people who are completely justified in saying fuck church because their specific experiences with the institution of the church or people who believe in whatever has been horrible. And it's been full of judgment and not nice things and not kindness and whatever versus other people who've, have, who've been fortunate enough to have the other experience where, oh, did you experience Christ's love? Did you experience that acceptance that you're supposed to get of someone trying to help you, of not trying to judge you? And, you know, I, I said all that to say, I don't really know. But Ann Walker's lost in this period because I don't... I. Like, from my personal perspective, I just don't know where else she can find solace but in the arms of her lover. Because right. there's not, at this point in time, there's not, there's not. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's not. Else there's there. not stuff. And corner. Maybe she can be like Ann Lister and just read the Bible for what it is, but... You know, I randomly wanted to personify the male, the man-written Bible as Mr. Ainsworth, where it's like, yeah, you just took so much of this woman's youth. Uh, you had this woman, and you held her till death. How she died, who knows? You threw her off the truck. Maybe you didn't, you know. Let's go with your theory, because Ainsworth is a, is, a, is a curse. It's like, like well, so disgusting. this girl, this girl who remembers my wife. Why are you and, caressing that chair like that's that? that's what it was. No, it's a creepy caress, but I understand but why you're doing it. It's I what it was. Right this girl who remembers my wife, huh? you know, we were all good friends together. And, right. You know, maybe it's, it was time for her to fill those shoes and now be my new wife and it's like you know marry this how about you filled his grave bitch i mean okay i'm extreme (laughs) and this was like hello i've read you back to front front to back and i see your inconsistencies when are you leaving when are you leaving when are you leaving leaving? i can see saran jones face when she says that so like someone should meme those photos of them meeting and just be like aboriginals what's so fucked up is my folder of memes that never gets posted on instagram because that's a thing. <laughs> Honestly, shout out to you lovely listeners who find our ragged, jagged, horrible, dead, barely moving social medias where we do try yeah. our best, but we fail. You and did um, fail. and I saw like we got a couple more likes on the Facebook page. I was like, look at people Googling. They found they found our dead page. <laughs> Uh, so now I feel like we got to put some on there probably I'll today to just to be something. like, hey, y'all, right. look at you liking a page. <laughs> Here's a picture of our group of confessions logo. I don't know if we actually, I put it on the Insta stories one time, but I never actually proper posted the group of confessions. Um, but yes. So, yeah. So when, uh, if you follow the theory of the personified Bible is chased out of Halifax. <laughs> oh, right, right, <laughs> and then right. You see, uh, Mr. And Mrs. Priestley watching the personified Bible leave. Right in front of my salad. Right. No. <laughs> and then, so she goes, uh, Hey, love, I need you to, uh, hey, love, I need you to just check in on, you know, poor Anne, won't you? Because, you know, she just left her Bible. You know, the Bible's gone. You know, <laughs> her, soul, her soul, she needs the Bible in her life. And then, you she know, she gets the spiel of eternal damnation awaits you. And I'm like, oh, Lord. That's a good Mrs. Priestley. Eternal damnation awaits you. Mm-hmm. There was no member of any parish to take center stage in any episode of Gentleman Jack up until this Good. point. Good. Which is another reason why I'm saying he's like, I don't want to say they had to flanderize him, but he had to represent what the patriarchy did with the written words. But he of the is. Holy he Bible. is a he's a representative of it. And that's why I was like, I, I enjoyed the way Ann Lister participated in her faith. Of course, she was cognizant to read the Bible. 
every day and passages and such. Um, but when it came to like falling asleep in church, she wasn't above that shit. She was like, this shit was boring. Right. <laughs> this is boring. I'm asleep. Reverend. Matter of fact, your sermon wasn't even that good. I don't think you, the way you, I don't think the way you discussed the scripture was up to snuff. So whatever, I could do a better job at home reading to myself. And she, she had that idea, that vibe where like my salvation, my, the, my goodness is not dependent on what the fuck you say or how you interpret this Bible scripture. It's how I interpret it and my relationship, my, the conversations I have with God, me, myself and I. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. And that's, that's everybody. I feel like that should be everybody. Like, don't listen to the propaganda machine. Don't listen to what motherfuckers tell you. Just like what's happening with you and your chest and your heart and like your soul and what feels real, like go there. Cause I'm just, I'm not in the business of invalidating people's beliefs, you know, especially as we were saying, like with the history of melanated peoples in the Western hemisphere, you can't divorce it. But at the same time, you look at someone like Tina Turner, who was from the South, you know, from a Baptist background and in her personal journey to self-love and everything else, it was Buddhism that took her there. And it's not invalidated. I mean, she's still where she's, she's still from the South. She's still not poor city limits. Like that's still her, but this was her path. And so while my mom's path was from Catholicism to Christianity and Tina Turner's path was from Baptist Christianity to Buddhism, it's whatever works. I feel right. like, and I as agree. long as your the energy is positive and good, and how can you go wrong, you know? No, I agree. But I wanted to uh, get those questions out of the way since that's sort of where we're living for the rest of the time, oh, in a certain no. sense. I mean, because it's a very big deal for Ann Walker. I mean, well, yes, but uh, she's like, um, and thanks to Mrs. Priestley and Harriet Parkhill, she is verklempt. She is caught up. But it can't be Christian like to torment people like that. Oh, but isn't it? If there's one major component that comes with Catholicism, it's guilt. It's guilt, bitch. Yes. You a sinner. No, yeah. You sin it every day, bitch. You yeah. sinned right now. Repent, ho. Say some prayers. Because you're all fucking sin. <laughs> I mean, does no one see the? I mean, yes, this is a weapon. Does no one see how this is literally a weapon? <laughs> all right, so. So with that being said, with our little summations on faith, we can get into some entries about Anne Walker and her crisis of faith. So in Nature's Domain by Jill Liddington, the Ainsworth stuff is essentially in this book capped between the 26th of October through the 1st of December. Although I would say that just Ainsworth related drama carries literally all the way through to the new year. And oh, like, well, I whatever, everything is shit, but Hey, you know what? I'm alive. I got a show And who knows? Maybe I'll just live alone with Eugenie. Um, but so on the Friday, the 26th of October, this has a quick mention of what we were saying before about not being properly together as together as one might would as a married couple in the full nudity where Ann Lister writes groveling till late and gave her as she owned pleasure but that I had no business to think her fairly my own till we had been really and properly together and this led to doubts and fears on my part and she talked of not deciding till the 3rd of April which was of course Ann Lister's birthday and so just a slight indication of like what we said that she's and Walker is having you know her doubts Ann Lister is still having her doubts about whether or not she will actually be adequate for Ann Walker. The book also makes a note that essentially that Ann Lister was so 
eager to be booed up with Ann Walker that she was apparently even prepared to live at Lydgate. So she had changed really? her mind or she was wavering in her mind about whether or not Shibden was the absolute place they had to live. And it says, Wednesday, October 31st, grubbled last night, but quiet this morning, talking things over. Added to former difficulty, she thought she might not be fit for the society I should wish. Argued her out of this and at last got her to shorten the time of waiting for her final answer from 3 April to 1 January. She seemed satisfied this would be better. Should be settled before we set off at the end of January for the continent. She seems less and less likely to say no. In fact, we talk and act as if yes was all but said. We're to be off at the end of January, back next autumn, and go for a month to Scotland and then return. And planted Shibden and do our business at home, i.e. Lydgate. Ooh. And so there it is right there where Anne's making plans to potentially move into Anne Walker's crib instead of having Anne Walker move into Shibden. So that in and of itself, it shows a certain level of uh, thirstiness on Anne Lister's part. Yes, definitely. She's... Almost exclusively on Anne Lister's part because it's she's saying, oh, well, you know, you know, usually this is a hit, but um, for some reason it's not hitting like it used to. Like there's there's interference here. You know, hopefully we'll be able to get. I mean, to the she's of it. she feels pretty intensely about her about her shabby little Shibden and its ancestral worth. At the same time, she was like, "I'm not willing to sacrifice a wife for my pride living at Shibden." Okay, because we don't really see any of that discussion in a show. Like, there's no discussion about landed properties and what we're gonna do. But we definitely get the impression that Anne Lister, even though she wants to spice up Shibden, she's like, "This is my ancestral home. Like, three generations back to Charlemagne." And so, for her to be seriously considering living at Lydgate, that's that's a pretty big deal. Oh, poor, poor Anne Walker. Your poor brain. Your poor, your poor struggle. I mean, she wasn't struggling with where she's going to live, but she definitely... No, 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 no. She yeah, definitely she got, she got struggling. And so on Saturday, November 10th, Ann Lister travels to Lightcliff to see the Priestleys. But in this entry, she's kind of saying that her and Mrs. Priestley had a laugh at Ainsworth's expense in a certain kind of way. And writes, then sat talking to Mrs. P till one chit-chat. Her praises of Mr. Ainsworth, very evident how sure she makes of the match between him and Miss W. Without either of us being too plain spoken, we laughed and gave him for it till the 10th of this month next year, saying, pray remember the 10th of November. What? <laughs> and if it prospers, Mrs. P, to write and tell me. She said Mrs. Ainsworth was very plain and much marked with smallpox and filled up the pittings with rouge. So they are here shading what she looked like and that she was 20 years older than Ainsworth and that he only married her for her money. And I'm like, I thought he was a clergyman. Right. Why do clergymen need money? Why do clergymen throw their wives off of moving carriages? Just questions. That okay, you're answers. just with the murder. Listen, it's what happened. <laughs> I feel like it was murder. I... I mean, I don't think we've seen anything to dissuade us from the fact that it was murder, especially because he married her for money. You know what? He was more effective at the disposal than Mariana, who'd been out here waiting for her husband to croak, but he got his to croak without much suspicion. Good Lord. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So they was making jokes about the marriage deadline, and that was November 10th. And on the 13th, there was uh, just an interesting note made that Miss Walker sent Aunt Anne Lister a fruit. Oh, she's in her right. gift. She was like, take this apple. <laughs> Soon to be auntie-in-law. <laughs> Trying to get on your good side with fruits. And of course, there's a note at the same time that meanwhile, Anne Lister was busy stubbing, which is just sort of cutting hedges down close to the root and uprooting as uh, Washington organized the draining of, of the Red Beck. 
November 16th chronicles some more man's work with Pickles, where she writes, Sometime with Pickles, who begun the job, I led him yesterday, filling up the old line of the brook. At Lydgate at 10.30, we had talked quite as if her going with me abroad was fixed. And this is, of course, in code to Ann Walker. But mm -hmm. she says she did not like going, felt as if she should never return, and never durst let me leave her a moment in a foreign country. I parried all her arguments, and she, seeming to submit, began to talk of arrangements. I see the best way to speak as one having authority. So she's basically saying that she was stern with Ann Walker and that seemed to work. But I'm just going to say for the time being. Essentially in this period from November to... Uh, before they travel. So maybe... Uh... No, that's a great deal of time. So no. Uh, just for where this episode is covering in particular. In real life, it's about two months in between November and December. That there's a lot of going back and forth that generally happens almost on a day-to-day -day basis that and walker perhaps in the morning or in the evening is feeling sure about traveling and then perhaps in the evening she is not and she can't imagine doing it and then you know the grubbles are having the entire time that maybe she's like okay i'm actually yeah we could totally do this and then a day later she's like absolutely not we absolutely can't do this and i can't travel so that is a succinct way of doing it, but that's essentially the vibe for two months is that, to end Lister's credit, she's having to display a shit ton of patience for what um, is yes. very serious flip-flopping yes. from um, sometimes a matter of hours. It doesn't even have to be a day. It could just be some hours. And Walker's like, I don't know. I was by myself. And uh, no, I changed my mind. I cannot travel with you. There is some shady stuff with Marion because there's always some shady stuff with Marion on the side. On Sunday the 18th, where she writes about um, basically her and Marion are having this inheritance quarrel that consistently just happens through the course of their relationship. And Marion says that she would leave Shibden after their father's death. And Anne Lister writes, I observed that after her once leaving here, she might see very little of me. She thought that probable and that she might see more of me abroad than in England. So these sisters out here say they're not going to visit each other. Or they're not going to see each other after Daddy after Daddy Lister dies. <laughs> is it? Is, does it run that deep? Does does it? I guess it does for something for one for two for. I mean, siblings can have a lot of energy for each other. So some siblings fight to the bitter end. I mean, I'm not. I don't quarrel very very often with my siblings. If it is, it's something related to like I don't know politics. But we generally agree. Um, uh, video games movies like spirited artistic discourse i don't know oh yeah like if i no i as much as i could think of the regression aspect and i just think of random sibling oh uh, i don't know oh it doesn't i don't know it doesn't seem like such a, a cemented thing not that i could think of not with any of them really even if i'm not like oh hovering over these them it's like um no we all just have our own things in our own way i mean we... except for this whole thing with the property where everybody's like well you know i feel like i stayed there the longest or i was actually i was technically the resident there and all that other stuff where everybody's just trying to claim a piece of something that was not left to them like that's when the things are that's when the fighting starts that's right. when and does get a letter from lady stewart and this time because you know these ladies always writing all the time and she writes, kind letter from Lady Stewart, but I am bothered by Mr. James Wortley's thanks for my good wishes. And he hopes to make my acquaintance. I shall say I'm going to York or be out of the way by some means or other. I am only afraid he will call. So this is her trying to avoid. She's like, I don't want to meet you. I don't want to meet you, man. I don't want to meet your friend. Like, what? Yikes. 
I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be elsewhere, whatever that day is. As soon as you let me know what it is, I will let you know that I'm also busy in York or elsewhere. <laughs> and at the same part, it mentions how Ann Lister was trying to, quote, exert her authority with Ann Walker as a way of like trying to help her out of her decision instead of just being like, hey, why don't you do this? Because it'll work. She was like, hey, you're going to do this because we already decided it's great for you. So let's get it done. Change of tactic. I mean. The book writes, and we mentioned this already, exerting her authority, Anne Lister twice told Anne Walker that if she married, she would discover Anne had been as a meteor in her life. Briefly and brilliantly <laughs> dazzling, then disappearing like a dream. So, so you can't, you know, you gotta be, gotta be careful out here in these streets. You don't want a bitch turn into a meteor. So essentially, according to Anne Lister's diaries, Anne is attacked by the brute on the same day that she is having some angsty emotional stuff with Anne Walker. And it's dated Sunday, November 25th. And she wrote, read aloud to my aunt, my father and sister and Hemingway, the morning prayers and sermon. At 1.15, off along my walk to Lydgate, she was low and looked disconsolate, had received the ring in memory of Mrs. Ainsworth that had put her into the dolefuls. Oh, so, like with the right. scrapbook. So we didn't mm. see her physically like get this ring, but this is among the many letters that Ainsworth was sending. He's like, more yes. letters, more gifts. And so he evidently gave her this ring in memory Ew. of his wife. Well, I does, know. Who does that? Who does that? A creep. And so Ann Lister writes that that had put her in the dolefuls. Of course it put her in the dolefuls. God, he's such a manipulator. Um, she continues, much talk of Mr. A. She will have him after all. I spoke with indignation as usual. And she of duty then grubbled her. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, this is the gayest shit I've ever seen. It is so ridiculous. Like, Ann Walker, you are so fucking ridiculous. But I love it. It's ridiculous. It's thorough. She told me she means to take him. It's all done. Grubble to thoroughly. <laughs> like, what? what are you bitches doing? Okay. Right. So she says, then grubbled her. She making no sort of objection. Of course not. Of course she would. In spite of all her declarations to the contrary, I begin to suspect he, Ainsworth, has really deflowered and enjoyed her. So... This is Anne just expressing what we've talked about, where she's like, so here she is once again saying, I can't marry you. I can't take you. I can't do this. But we just had an amazing grubble session for like three hours. <laughs> what the fuck? Well, I mean, and this is day in and day out, apparently, day according in to day the journal. So it's like, um, yes and no, and yes and no. And it's a, it's a toll on the brain. That's what it is. And it's a toll on my emotions. I, again, like, if you're going to break up with me, not, not because of God, that's not... That, that's not my business. Like, no, don't do that to me. Mm -mm. Yeah. And she continues in the century. She must have had, and this is, you know, that's why I said it's kind of a combining sentiment of multiple entries for episode five. But she continues, she must have had some man or other. I can never satisfy her. Steph was right enough about hysteria. Hang it, she has no shame. She is my mistress just for the time. I see she is for keeping up a friendship and corresponding. I told her not to call on me ever on my return if she was Mrs. Ainsworth. She would then be no longer the same person as now. And I, being the older resident in the neighborhood, I should consider it my place to call on her. The option of visiting lying with me. Oh, wow. She pulled age rank. She was like, bitch, if you become Mrs. Ainsworth, don't see about me. And anyway, I'm the older hoe who's been in Halifax this entire time, bitch. So convention says that I should call upon you, which will be never. If you're Mrs. Ainsworth, so just no. keep that in mind. Oh. Like, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. But also, so Anne, so I get it. <laughs> and she continues, 
where was I? Oh, she said she had once thought of his taking her name. What? Meaning like the Walker name? Does that sound like that's what that means to you? I hope not. It says she had, she said she had once thought of his taking her name. I, I, I know. I think she like Ainsworth taking her name, the Walker name. I don't know. And Anne continues writing, I said I should still not consider him society for me. And under such circumstances, what friendship could be carried on between her and me? So I think that's what she was saying. And Anne Lister was like, what the fuck that got to do with anything, girl? I told you I still can't be friends with you if you are married to Ainsworth. It won't be possible. Yeah, there's no, you can't double dip in this situation. You can either have one or the other. And there's no keeping, no, there's no keeping up appearances and then keeping having your lister as well, because list is not a side piece. Right. So no, she's not a side piece type. She tried that with Mariana and look what happened. So the book continues then as if things could not get worse on Anne's way home, an impertinent fellow with a great stick in his hand lunged at her. <sighs> Sorry, but just no, the yeah, image no, yeah. that just doesn't. Yeah. His home. God damn you, she retorted, pushing him away. And additionally, the Rawsons continued to haggle with her over coal. So we don't really give a fuck about the Rawsons. Or the coal, because that matter is settled. They had five days. They chose not to. Now, they could bid a fortnight from now. I mean, if they choose to want to bid. Right. They need to get their shit together. But But I feel like something tells me that episode five, like she was, they were on, they were on their shits already. Sold for how much? 226 pounds, 17 shillings, and six pence. That's that's exactly what I said it was worth the first time. So whatever. Unbelievable. And uh, I don't know why they don't have the phrase here, but I know it's in Gentleman Jack, the real Anlista. So in Gentleman Jack, the real Anlista tie-in, they have the entry, uh, a little more about the entry. And I guess I will seek to decode this page myself as well just to see what is all there missing and come back with it and throw it on the patreon but it says an impertinent fellow with a great stick in his hand asked if i was going home and made a catch at my queer god damn you said i and pushed him off he said something which i took as meaning an attack so said i if you dare i'll soon do for you and he walked one way and i the other I did not feel the least frightened. How involuntarily and bitterly I swear on these occasions. So, uh, first of all, Ann Lister still had that swag, that joint. Yes. Where she was like, I don't give a fuck, yes, ho. she did. Cash me outside. Or you already caught me outside, yeah, but cash these jaunty hands. But, um, so that stuff was accurate from what we saw on the show. Made a catch at her queer. That's gross. But interestingly enough that this isn't the first time something like this happened to Ann Lister because... I mean, look at how she phrases the last phrase, the last sentence. How involuntarily and bitterly I swear on these occasions. So I feel like that's almost her saying she didn't want to have this reaction. Like she would prefer not to be bothered or swear at all. But she's kind of forced into it because how do you not swear when someone manhandles you and assaults you physically and tries to physically intimidate you? If that line makes you think that she had a situation like this before. Well, I mean, well, that's evident only because, yeah, it's before we get the grand tale of uh, Jack the Lass, Jack the Lass. But that um, I'm sure even even in the days where she was gambling with the, the, the rookie soldiers and stealing all their money that, you know, somebody tried to get some of their money back since they weren't clever enough to win it back in the game that they probably jumped her for it. 
I'm sure that she's had mm. her tussles. Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't, you know, when I think of Anne in that in that boarding house with mm-hmm. bad women, I'm like, mm-hmm. she could have knocked a dude out. I mean, I mean, well, a dude. I could only hope, right? A dude, but I or feel like multiple, yeah. like whatever. I'll take that fantasy scenario. And uh, since I'm in here, gentleman Jack Lee Real and Lister, and for that previous part we were talking about. You know, her going back to oscillating towards a man keen Ann Walker, which is just a desired, filled, thirsty Ann Walker. It talks about how Ann Lister's way of dealing with stuff, which we've seen and talked about before, is like to exert control over other parts of her life. She can control Uh her estate, her workers, pulling up shrubs and just being physically active in a way that will at least momentarily distract her from what's happening in her life. And then we have rights about this section. In the face of a problem, Ann Lister's instinct was to seek a practical solution. She was used to managing her tenants, workers, staff, and family members on a daily basis. She exercised an uncommon level of control over her life and circumstances. Yet now she found herself unable to help Miss Walker. Quote, I see the best ways to speak as one having authority, which we covered earlier. But Anne found herself increasingly exhausted by her attempts to cope with Anne's moody, melancholy father. By the 23rd of November, she had resolved to, quote, give her back her purse and be off. So, see, yeah. these are the fears that the Anne Walker on the screen keeps saying, oh, you're going to get sick of me. You're going to get sick. Like, she's been saying this all oh the time. Oh, my God. And it's this like, is true. This is so- true. I hadn't actually thought about that yet from that angle. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's. Ooh, ooh, wow. Dang it. That's deep. Yes, no, that's, um, now I'm marinating on that. I'm like, oh, no, don't let our baby gay be right with all of her negative assumptions. But this is, yeah. It continues, more letters from Ainsworth accompanied by another ring for Anne, which we just covered in that entry. In remembrance of his dead wife, sent Miss Walker deep into the dolefuls. Anne started to make plans for getting off in January alone. So at this time, she's like, I'm still being sweet to you. I'm still trying to take care of you and love you. But at the same time, I'm like, we're not doing shit. We're not going off. I'll be traveling by myself because clearly (laughs) you will not be traveling with me. The book also specifies the women were still physically intimate, which we say, and Walker's never off the grubbles. Her thirsty ass is never off the grubbles. And suspicions about Miss Walker's level of experience had never left Ann Lister. So you were saying earlier, she's still in a man keen. She never left the man keen. She's so... Ann Walker's thirst has her so fucked up, she consistently oscillates back and forth between, oh, she's man keen. Oh, wow, she's so sensitive. Look how she reacts to those L's. Oh, no, she man keen for sure. Look at this desire. I can never do enough for her. Like, this is this is where we go. The way they sum it up in the book or... And Choma, she's like, suspicions about Miss Walker's level of experience had never left Ann Lister, who now revisited the thought that she must have had some man or other, and that consequently, as a woman, she would never satisfy her. And ah! squeeze, but ah! who for whom? Fake news. For whom? Fake news. Fake news. Matter of fact, I'm about to this is, finish the last I of just, my drink okay, and eat a marshmallow because I'm mad. Like, but how could you? Who are you talking about? Like, <laughs> yo, the patriarchy, the percentages is a whole are against you. I'm like, how do these men keep blind and like this? What, 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 what urban legends exist of, of satisfied heterosexual women in these times? I refuse to believe it. Yeah, I mean, there's shit about the Rawson still being bitchy about Cole. We see it in the show, but basically, in the books, they say like a day after the following day after Anne is attacked by this dude with the stick that. Jeremiah Walston reopens negotiations over Anne's coal and asks if she would take 200 an acre. 
And just like two hundred and twenty-six. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to figure out like Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Killing. Jeremiah. And six pence. What are we doing, Jeremiah? That's that's how many times we do we need to tell you the same information, Jeremiah? <laughs> like, I know you said you don't have experience negotiating with women, but this is like learn. Like, I thought you'd be a faster study than this, Jeremiah. It's been weeks. And you're still like, so um, it's two hundred near the mark. <laughs> no, bitch, it's not. It's not near the mark, ho. Two hundred twenty-six pounds, seventeen shillings and six, six pence. pence. That's six where it is. Fucking pence. Okay. <laughs> oh, I suppose I should leave that for next episode, even though it's a time lap. Um. Yeah. I feel like this Mariana letter. What is this? The 27th of November. Okay. So she gets a letter from Mariana on the 27th of November, two days after the attack. In between there, it's written that, and, you know, of course, had already been offered the funds from her bae, Thirsty Miss Walker, but feeling that it would be wrong to accept it without any formal commitment between them, she resolved to stick to her original offer. And she eventually let Marion in on the deal, but begged her not to tell their father. And so when a letter arrived from Mariana Lawton, full of doom and gloom about, quote, many vexatious hindrances, it hardly contained the content and relished under present circumstances. And so they have an excerpt of this dire entry on the 27th that reads, What the future brings forward, Fred, we can neither of us guess at. But I still hold to my not very recently adopted option that Mr. Lawton will outlive me. With this impression, I shall leave all belonging to me here in such order that there will be little trouble beyond burning one parcel and sending off another. And something, too, like a will I have made. Like, what is that? Like, this Mariana, is someone, skidding. Like, why are you? Why is Mariana sending these depressing letters? Well, Freddie, Freddie, look, it looks like fucking Charles. Is what, she's like, it looks like fucking Charles will outlive me after all, Freddie. So let me tell you what, I've made my will. I've updated my will accordingly. Like, why are you writing in this? Well, such a heavy day. I the feel fuck? Like, I feel like this is um, this is going to be it for why me. Would you write, <laughs> why would you write your letter this? And then the book continues. Mariana seems to have known something of Anne's plans to travel. While wishing that Anne could learn to have, quote, a little more care for old England, i.e. stick the fuck around, there is a hint of relief in her reference to the fact that Anne's next trip should be taken alone. Quote, tells me I am far better off without a companion than if I'd had one that did not suit me. And so that's Ann Lister writing down her observation from Mariana that Mariana's basically like, oh, hey, boo, like, listen, why, don't, why can't you ever stick around England? But if you do have to travel, I'm glad you're going alone. And to me, that's some petty Mariana shit because why would you want her to travel alone? Why yeah, would you I, want her to be lonely? But you're like, I don't want, I don't want anyone else on the grubbles. So good. The care agreed. and concern. And in response to that, Anne Lister writes in her diaries, M's thought of ever being with me is quite gone by. Ooh. I would mm, mm-hmm. I would not let her leave Charles. And on this account, she has made up her mind to stay with him and will not be sorry should her life not last very long. Whatever is, is right. The less I think of her, the better. So, I mean, nothing new on the Mariana front and being like, God, if I could just not think about this bitch ever, ever, that would be the best thing ever for me. She should just not ever think about Mariana ever again. And Mariana on her fuck shit. <sighs> So here's something else that I discovered in the entries. So you know the book that she gives to Ann Walker in the episode? Oh, yes. The, um, yes, with the... The Book of Trimmings. Yeah, yeah. So it turns out, it turns out that those Book of Prayers was an item that she bought 
I believe, while in New York. So it wasn't how it's shown in the show, where she jaunts from Cronest, she goes to the bookstore, she requests a very specific book, and they have it in stock. Yes, the prayer book. Actually, in real life, she got the Book of Prayers from York. She took it back with her to Halifax and then had it bound after the fact. Uh... Because she takes it to be bound specifically in crimson Moroccan leather with purple water silk fly leaves and richly gilt. So it's a bit of a more personal present than what we see, but with direct inspiration from the life. And the first thing she says, she gets, oh, what happened to the other prayer book in that ring that I told you to put away with? Uh, is it, it, might I know what they, what they are, <laughs> what, you, what you've done with them? Oh, there's someone safe. Oh, worst thing to say after you get a present. The book continues in the event and was called upon sooner than expected. On the 30th of November, James McKenzie, which is, of course, Ann Walker's manservant, yes. delivered an urgent note. Miss Walker was ill and Dr. Sunderland had been sent for, but Ann was required to. With pressing business to attend to at Shibden, Ann composed a comforting note for Miss Walker with instructions on how to fill the time until she arrived. So this is what we see in the last episode where, you know, in a sense... Well, not in a sense. In reality, in the show, Mrs. Parkhill is there. Mrs. Priestley's come and laid some bad eggs. And immediately, Ann Walker's like, bitch, you need to get over here because I'm in the dovels. I'm concerned. And Ann Lister got business to do. So she's like, look, here's some pretty words. Okay? And some reassurances. It's going to be, hey, I, I can't come over right now because I got to do business to stay business. But let me send you this word reassurance, which totally wasn't enough because it did not do the trick. But she wrote, in any case... Keep yourself as quiet and your mind as tranquil as you can and banish from your thoughts everything that is unpleasing. Remember that the desert has its green spots and that in anger or in mercy, heaven never afflicts us beyond that we are able to bear. Aww. You have at least one comfort, if I may hope that it can be a comfort to you, to be assured of this affectionate interest in regard of yours. Very faithfully, Ann Lister. So she's sending a love note. She's like, babe, be strong. God doesn't give us more than we can bear. And... Not sure if I completely agree with that because, well, no, other people in life dead. would would disagree. They'd be like, "More than I can bear, more than I can bear, more than I can bear." Well, um, she's she's talking from a landed lady. Oh my god, Ann Walker. She's like, "Bitch, more than I can bear." Like, I don't know what you what you thought, <laughs> but these sleeves of thirst are very fragile and they can't hold any weight. It says that Anne dispatched her business as quickly and efficiently as possible, telling land valuer Mr. Mitchell not to lose sight of the godly deal. We've not discussed the godly deal. It's not relevant. Um, she gets a note from Jeremiah informing Anne that he had almost persuaded his brother to let him take the 10 acres for 230 pounds. 10 shillings and 10 pence, it looks like, because it's 10, 10. On the condition that they were given the whole coal surface measure. And all the coal was given short shrift. Like, why is Jeremiah still trying to negotiate? Why is he still sending Ann notes? And he's like, listen, listen, listen. Okay, so how about we do 230, but it's for the whole shit? But also these other things, like we're going to give you stipulations on the land, on your land, about how this is going to work. That's... Basically, Anne wrote, they want to smuggle both beds into the agreement, which will not do. No, no, it will not. It says, though, by midday, Anne had arrived to Lydgate. And though Dr. Sutherland was officially attending the patient, it was Anne Lister who made the diagnosis. Quote, when all trades fail, she should write dryly to Steph Belcombe that evening. I will set up for the cure of bodies and judged Miss Walker's fever to be a result of the medicines that Dr. Belcombe had prescribed in New York. Quote, an effect, not a cause, and said I was persuaded that she had some mental uneasiness. And Walker's mental uneasiness was bound up in her belief that she had lost Anne for good. And this is a entry part that has to do with Miss Parkhill and the things 
whereabouts. And Lister writes, she had been fretting all yesterday and last night because she thought from my note of yesterday that all was over and I had made up my mind to end the thing between us. And she could not bear to part with me, could not think what she meant. It was that I had concluded with affectionately yours, leaving out faithfully. Oh my God. I will just say that I can be that specific about words. <laughs> Is that Ann Walker is having a whole ass fucking breakdown about Ann Lister never coming back because Ann Lister wrote affectionately yours, leaving out faithfully. So she didn't write affectionately, faithfully yours or faithfully and affectionately yours. She just wrote affectionately. And Ann, Ann Walker was like, without the faithfully hoe, I have no faith in us at all that you will return. And she continues, she said if I had gone away, she should never give up the hope of our coming together sometime. She had never felt drawn so close to me since Tuesday and now thought that I could make her happy and had prayed for us to be happy together. I did not say much, but asked why. Why with these feelings, she refused me. And so, I mean, another uh, more confused Ann Lister. Well, I mean, when you're not getting what you want from what you thought was your steady, and then now here comes your other unsteady, it's like, Lord. Lord, Lord, Lord. But I like that uh, her hands are always, her hands are always near queer. I mean, well, not <laughs> this entry, they're not near no, queer. No, 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 not this entry, but, you know, she's she's got... She's got places to go. She's got time to invest in. But she's mostly confused. Well, yeah, but uh, she she's writes literally a letter. getting mixed signals from pretty much everywhere at this point. But And Walker was just like, you didn't put in faithfully in your note. And so I thought I would never see you again. So this is ultimately what she's dealing with. She's dealing with a very specific and sensitive person where I can be very sensitive over rhetoric in particular, where I'm very word specific. Maybe that's because my mom would make me read the thesaurus when I was a child. But I just feel like, like if a word means a certain thing, like I can harp on that thing and be like, but this is what it means. And so I can get Ann Walker being like, okay, but you wrote affectionately yours and not affectionately faithfully yours. Right. So in your other letter, you wrote faithfully yours, which means faithfully I'm not yours. Faithfully you are not mine. You're grumbling another hoe. <laughs> I, I mean... can't believe this. I'm never going to see you again. <laughs> I'm never going to see you again. I mean, that could be true, but there's no hoes nearby for Anne to grumble. Let's be honest. They're elsewhere. There's a few miles away at the very least. Yeah, they are away. But mm, uh, uh... I see, I see what she saw now, and oh, poor Walker being all scared for for naught, but scared nonetheless. Scared for naught. All right, so let me get to these Park Hill related entries. I know you're so excited. This excited. woman, this this. Well, I mean, she started out great. Harriet she did, but it was she was great. only ish because she started with that invalid line. And then, oh. but then she was complimenting Ann Lister, and so she got better. And then she's like, but oh, then she started so with her fashion again. She's so fascinating. It must be so lucky of you to have a friend. <laughs> don't ask me where that accent is, y'all. I don't fucking know. So, uh, Nature's Domain cites Harriet Park Hill as a more suspicious female companion, while Gentleman Jack, the real Ann Lister, says that uh, on the 30th of November, that Ann Walker went on to admit that Miss Parkhill, who had left Lydgate, quote, in a huff just before Ann arrived, had been bad-mouthing Ann in her absence. So different than how we see in the show from what they're surmising in the diaries, but the same thing. You might imagine that maybe Mrs. Priestley on her Halifax world tour of gay gossip potentially got to Miss Parkhill before she got to Cronest. I don't, I'm trying to, timeline it as far as what came first but i don't think she was up there i don't think i don't think the walls were that bad what do you mean the walls uh as far as um the actual overnight stays 
when Anne stayed up with oh I'm saying in real life they say in the books they're just like in a day Miss Park Hill was there and she left in a huff before Anne came over that day and so I'm like it's a matter of you know Mrs. Priestley not necessarily doing what she did in the show but potentially talking that shit elsewhere among the haters of Halifax for Mrs. Park Hill to then have that animus you know, well, for yeah. Ann Walker. There was lots of talking where it was like, oh, well, you know, before <laughs> uh, the beginning of episode four was like, oh, well, you know, I decided to tell the entire. Right. Right. Actually, it does say here that, quote, Miss Harriet Parkhill is all jealous and wrong. And Lister wrote, implicating her in a wider network of Halifax gossips mm-hmm. with whom she was unpopular. Mm-hmm. Quote, and Lister writes, and has done all the mischief as Miss Walker owned. So maybe we could even guess that in this real life situation, Miss Park Hill's one of the bitches sending letters, maybe? Oh, the concerned citizen, yeah. Because there was multiple. Yeah. Haters of Halifax, quote unquote, concerned. But the book writes that in this instance, her attempt to discredit Ann Lister seems to have backfired, praying that she and Ann, and that means Ann Walker playing that she and Ann Lister, might be happy together. Miss Walker became tentatively protective. Their conversation was testament to how reliant she had become on Ann Lister. Whenever Ann Lister left Lydgate, she told her she would sink into a depression from which, quote, nothing could raise her. And Ann Lister writes that she said she would do all she could for her as long as she could, wrote Ann. She said she should never have much confidence in anyone else. So I'm pretty sure that line really has more to do with what happens in the next episode. Where that's really more to do, but it's... Like all this crisscrossing that's happening, there's a line very close to that in the next episode. You'll see it when it's there. Remember it now. Well, yeah. I said I, I said I would do all I could for her as long as I could, which sounds sincere. (sighs) And you know what's interesting? Underneath this, uh, Ann Shoma writes: If Ann Lister's attitude seems hubristic, nobody else seemed able to give Ann Walker a level of support approaching that which she was offering. And so, but I don't even think it sounds hubristic. I just think she's being honest. She's like, "I will do all that I can for you as long that I can." Right. I don't even know what that be, is. I don't know it. how long that will be, but right. I am doing my best because I actually care. I just don't know anymore what's going on. Hang it, queer girl. <laughs> you confuse me because I just don't know. <laughs> But, I mean, it's an annoying situation to be in, mostly because it's like she's locked on the outside, trying her best to coddle, but at the same time is dealing with these frustrations that are on the outside with the haters of Halifax, where it's like, I'm going to need you all to just get out of our business so that we can try to be what what we look like we want to be. But she's still literally waiting for her cue so she can't even she can't even so she's right she's like trapped like this is this has to feel like madness to her it's well i mean you. as i was reading it over again i was like this is a bit maddening just because it's you know there's already enough that's misunderstood about quote unquote you know feminine hysteria as the doctors called it then let alone anxiety and things of that nature mental health issues but to be in lister like it's incredibly confusing especially because it's so not a veer's situation where there's other clues to be like this shit's not gonna work with veer no matter how badly i want it (laughs) to because i've not endeavored to get this close or to really convince her that like the sapphic way is the best way 93 percent. but with ann walker 
basically from the jump, the bitch is like, yo, the grubbles, like, this is good. And there's the confusion about, okay, my faith, my conscience, my scruples, the law, what's going to happen? People are hanging in York. And Anne is like, I just don't understand you. Because nearly every other bitch, every other bitch that had these type of problems was not on the grubbles at the same time. You were on the grubbles every day. Literally, we have entries that are like, Ann Walker was like, I can't take you. And then we grubbled for four hours. Like, it's... It's got to be harrowing if you're Ann Lister and certainly exhausting to a certain extent. And it also says that Ann Lister really honestly believed that if Miss Walker could travel abroad, that her experience of the wider world would speed her recovery. And I do think that that's just a bit of non-medical medical help because being happy, being content, being cared for, being listened to, all that stuff helps your mental health. It all uh, yes. helps the mental health. So even if she wasn't having antidepressants and other stuff she could have used... Just a positive attitude and a, and, a, and a good girlfriend will go a long way. So Anne is right about that. Anne Lister, that is. This will probably be your favorite part. I'm kidding because it's, it's really not my favorite part. But Mariana has another letter. Oh, how does, how, how, how? <laughs> she, of course she does. <sighs> so Anne Lister is writing to Mariana in response to her letter. So... The book says, replying to Mariana's letter on her return from Lydgate, Anna was able to be honest about the Blue Devils she periodically experienced without giving specific mention to her relationship with Miss Walker. And so this is Ann Lister talking about basically being depressed. And she's reaching out for a bit of solace, comfort for Mariana, because Mariana is one of her oldest friends, regardless of all the bullshit that's there. And she needs somebody to lean on emotionally, at least a little bit, with this drama with Ann Walker. Right. And so she's written to Mariana, Somehow or other, my dearest Mary, your letter is a comfort to me. You almost... (laughs) You're laughing. You almost persuade me to forget what I have longed for all my life and to believe that I am better as I am than I should be if I had a companion. I I don't know about all that. She's basically like, Mariana, maybe you're right. I should be alone forever. That's... No. She continues, If I have not the pleasure, I shall not have the pain. Don't do that to yourself, girl. Remember what you told your auntie? Sometimes you got to risk it all to be happy. Remember that? Let's get back to that, Anne. And she continues, and I shall certainly get rid of the blue devils, which are by no means concomitant of a temperament like mine. You will be agreeably surprised when you see me at Lamington. I am out all day long in all weathers, and it does me good. I am much stronger than I was a few months ago, and my spirit, though bending for long beneath the tyranny of disappointment, and she's referring to Veer there, when she's like, the tyranny of disappointment. Good Lord is really starting up again with something like its former elasticity. I perpetually talk of getting off in January, but perhaps I shall not be able, for I have several things in hand, not likely to be settled and done so soon. What do you advise me to do about a manservant? Do you think about this for me? I should like to have a good, steady, enterprising English groom who would take care of the carriage and do anything I wanted doing while abroad. If I had such a man to depend upon, I should do well enough for the rest. And this man of confidence might have the place he liked at home and stay with me to my life's end. Do pray give me your opinion. So she's basically saying, maybe I should be alone. Maybe everything's better that way. Maybe you were right. Veer was so disappointing, and I'm trying not to go through that again. But it seems like I might be going to the dolefuls. And, you know, the blue devils don't suit me. Being depressed doesn't suit me. It doesn't suit the endless to life, which is accurate. It does not suit her. So the book says that though Ann Lister did not name Miss Walker, her several things in hand, not likely to be settled and done so soon, may have been enough of a hint for Mariana, who had heard about the medical difficulties of Ann's friend, quote unquote, as a patient of her brother. 
So they're saying that Mariana had heard about Miss Walker, which we know. We saw that in an episode. And then it continues in an otherwise affectionate letter and could not resist signing off with a dig at Mariana. Quote, I have sometimes been not so good as you thought, she wrote, but very often not so bad. It is probable that you have never appreciated me exactly as I deserved. I mean, someone had to say it. But I mean, she says something, <laughs> she says very specific. I have sometimes been not so good as you thought, but very often not so bad. She's talking about fucking other hoes. No, no, no. I, that's, that's I know exactly that was a loyalty dig. I know that. She's that, like, that she's like, she's like I be fucking other bitches, but it's not, you know, it's a, it's a, we, we haven't been skin to skin, so it's not that bad. <laughs> that's what I'm taking it to mean. It's petty. Mm. We have an entry from December 1st, and this is another sort of combination of what we saw in the last episode where, you know, Ann Walker was ill and visited by Dr. Sunderland the day before, who, in addition to Mr. Day, was treating her weak spine. So Ann Walker were all the doctors, none of them with good enough education. And so on December 1st, which is a Saturday, Ann Lister writes, at Lydgate in 25 minutes at 11.50, Miss Parkhill had disappeared and stayed away in the other room during my visit. So this is specifically exactly directly what we saw in episode five. She thought I seemed indifferent yesterday about how the thing terminated between us, whether she should be with me or not. I parried this very gallantly. I saw she got fidgety and said she could not keep Mrs. P so long away. I said I would go in half hour. However, seeing Mrs. W uneasy, I jumped up and was off. Mr. Sunderland called before one, found Miss W much better. Mr. Day says her spine is very weak and weakens her whole system. The seat of her complaint should not take much exercise in a carriage or on horseback. Talked like a quack and as if nobody understood backs and spines like him. A vulgar, apparently uneducated man. In my walk at 2.15 with John Booth, <laughs> there was an entry on the 8th of December where it essentially reads like Ann Lister having a bit of a fantasy ramble about her and Ann Walker traveling together and Ann Walker being like, oh my God, that's so cute, but like it'll never happen. <laughs> Which is me summing it up, but... I'll just read it. Saturday, December 8th, at Lydgate at 10, sat with Miss W, tete-a-tete, in the dining room till 12, and then off back again to my walk. Talked to Miss W of going to York, third or fourth of next month, for three weeks or a month, to take plate and linen and have a good, handsome lodging, and to call James by his surname, and make him powder, and have Joseph Booth under him, Sarah to be cook, housekeeper, and Eugenie to meet us. A very nice plan. As she seemed to think, I laughed and said, well, and after that, Leamington, and then the South. Yes, said she, and then you mean abroad, but I will not go. <laughs> <laughs> and Walker... At this point, it's ridiculously adorable that this is what's happening here. And it continues. And then she got into the old story of how she felt she was not doing right morally. Could not consent. Had determined to say no. I laughed it all off at the moment. She grieved over behaving so ill on Wednesday night. That is, being lovingly inclined. Yet let me grubble her this <laughs> I can't finish it! Let I yet mean, let me grubble her this morning. Gladly enough. Do you see why Anne is a hot mess? Do you see why she's a bubbling mess of just like gay what the fuck? Because she's literally like, here's this fantasy. Here we're going to go. We're going to travel, boo. And then we're going to do this and da 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 And she's like, oh, that sounds really nice. But then go abroad. I'm sorry. I can't go. I can't do it. <laughs> and honestly, what I need to say too is that I can't be on the grubbles. The grubbles have really got me fucked up. Every day I do the grubbles, I'm just questioning life and sanity and what is the structure and nature of things and answering all these questions. And Anna's like, but do you want to grubble right now? She's like, absolutely. Absolutely. You're, 
don't have to ask me that. In fact, you can grubble me while I'm having an emotional crisis and it won't change the fact that I'm having an emotional crisis. <laughs> Ridiculous. So after that bit about uh, let me grubble her this morning, gladly enough, <laughs> she says, said I to myself as I left her, what a goose she is. But I will not care for that or her sorrow. I said I would sleep there on Monday with Pickles and his son planting hazels and with John Booth digging up near the rustic chair all of the afternoon till five, then came home and paid pee up until tonight. So I love that man's work is always in between these things. So that one I just read was on the 8th of December, right? And yeah. because everything goes back and forth and Lister sometimes oscillates in how affectionate or whatever she's being, because it's just, I mean, it's self-protection in a certain sense. And when Ann Walker would sense these things, she'd be like, no, 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 no. The Tuesday, the 11th of December indicates one of these instances where Ann Lister's like, Ann Walker came to me of her own accord. I ain't have to tell this bitch to come get the grubbles. She was like, I'm here. For the grubbles, excuse me. <laughs> so she writes, without any persuasion, she came to me at once last night and forgetting all the wrong. She... <laughs> it's easy to forget all the wrong when you're laying in your bae's arms. She lay in my arms all the night and had three good long grubblings, nothing loft. We awoke at seven and talked till eight. Now that she sees me inclined to be off, she wants to be on again. Said no more about the wrong, but began to think she was throwing away her happiness and said she could not bear to part with me. I left her immediately afterwards without showing any of my usual reluctance to go. I was dressed in an hour downstairs at 9.30. Mrs. W. read prayers. Breakfast, a little while tete-a-tete -tete with Miss Wilkinson, very civil to her. Then at 10.40 proposed Mrs. W.'s going out and all are going at the same time. Went to my room for my hat and Miss W. came to me and stayed about an hour, evidently courting me as I court her less. I kept to my gravity, told her of her inconsistency and indecision, and asked gently how I could possibly trust her, but still professed my earnest wish to do anything in the world to serve her, and behaved most handsomely, thinking to myself, well, what should I do with her? Be off and have no more to say to her. I shall keep up with this gravity. All went out together at 11 and parted at the William Priestley's door. And then talking to her aunt, she wrote, told her that I knew not how things were. For now again that I wanted to be off, Miss W seemed fretting to bring it on again. But I should think and care nothing about it. It's, well, it's, I mean, you can't lock in this type of a flip-flop. It won't work. So it's like, I don't know what the expectation is. It's like, to <laughs> in my head, I'm singing Saving All My Love For You. Especially like Saving the bridge. Because <laughs> that's what this is. You used to tell me. What's the bridge? I can't hear it. We belong together. Because tonight. Is that the no, bridge? No, no, no. You said, be patient. Just wait a little longer, <laughs> but that's just an old fantasy. <laughs> I've got to get ready just a few minutes more. <laughs> like, but like, it's the issue is is like I mean, and that's uh, uh actually a hilarious song because it's I'm saving all my love for you, but that's that's not your man. That's the, that's what I love about that particular right. song, but. Yeah, like how much? What? 
Lista can take only but so much that she can take. I mean, it is daily at this point. And, I, I, you know, I think that add the addition of the grubbles really is just what got her fucked up. Like, it's one thing to be on the Beer Hobart shit. And you're like, I'm not getting no grubbles. She's not even sitting on my knee. Like, right, near Nate. But Ann Walker anything? is literally exhibiting so much thirst and so much desire that Ann Lister is still like, your man, Keen. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever be able to satisfy you. Look at you. You're unsatisfiable. Unsatisfiable. And at the same time, that she's having this extreme gay energy that I will say just for right now has been unparalleled in other women she's tried <laughs> to bone or have a situation with in the diaries. And now she's having to balance this extreme thirst with this extreme fear and apprehension and, you know, concern for like my soul. Like what, like how was this? Look at what people are saying. Like before people started talking, this was all fine. But now that people are talking, it's not, it's not fine at all. And I'm really concerned about what the future could possibly be. I do have the entry for the sacrament that happens in the episode. Oh. That basically takes place on Friday, December 14th, where Ann Lister writes, talking and pressing and lovemaking till after three this morning. She lay upon me and in my arms, then slept near eight, and then talked till after 10. I insinuated, first time, that our present intercourse without any tie between us must be as wrong as any other transient connection. She seems to think refusing me is refusing her best chance of happiness and is more likely than ever to accept me. And so after that, it says some shit about her going out, you know, stuff that's not in code. And later on in the entry, she writes, walked back in about 25 minutes and left her at her own door at four, then returned to my walk. Miss W told me in the hut... If she said yes again, it should be binding. It should be the same as marriage. And she would give me no cause to be jealous. Made no objection to what I proposed, that is, for declaring it on the Bible and taking the sacrament with me at Shibden or Lightcliff Church. She may do as she likes, but we now seem quite as likely as ever to get together. Am I foolish to risk it again? Oh! It's so oh! adorable. Am I foolish to risk it again? I don't know why, but I'm like, no to self. Find that in code. Come on. Trace come it. On. And put on a shirt. Because I just feel like that's a quote for life. You know how like um, Bed Bath & Beyond, they always got those little inspirational fucking quotes on a piece of board for you to hang yes. in your kitchen. This is just, this is, this is just going to be my reminder where I feel like I'm a risk taker anyway. But sometimes you get a little more trepidatious as right. you get older. And I want to put this somewhere in Lister Code. To be like, am I foolish to risk it all again? Or am I foolish to risk it again? And then put, no, no, <laughs> no. Never foolish to risk it again, bitch. Because you got to risk it all to get it all. I mean, that's a sentiment that's been yeah, repeated it's, before. It's like that's, just... Yeah, that's sort of like the you got to be in it to win it deal. Oh, yeah, I guess that is a you got to be in it to win it thing. And so the book Nature's Domain by Drew Liddington says that it, what is absolutely beyond doubt is the seriousness with which Ann Lister viewed the intimacy and that it must not be transient. And that meant that their proposed marriage should be formally sanctified in the Anglican church with appropriate ritual. I mean, that all makes sense with what we know about Ann Lister, that she's religious, that she believes she is beautifully and wonderfully made by God. And so she doesn't have any fucking issues with herself where that's concerned and fully believes that God is like, no, do, do, do get married, do get a wife, do that holy shit, that jaunty holy shit together. Amen. So around this time, this kind of becomes relevant in episode six, but not exactly the way it does in life, where we have we have Ann Walker writing to her sister. 
And essentially, we have this, you know, on the 14th, we're on the Amoroso. Everything's the grubbles. It's happening. But then, like, later that day, next day, and Walker's like, I don't know, B. Like, here, how about this? How about if I write my sister and I tell her about what we're trying to do with the travels? If she agrees, if she thinks it's a good idea, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Only because I could just already see where it's going to go. Which is, what do you think? So it's like, oh, so you're just going to be gone more, more. Where, so I just have to make sure that uh, everything doesn't fall apart here at home. You think that's what her sister's going to say? Uh, that yeah. she, but she That's what she has Washington for, to take care of the estate. I don't think her sister's taking care of any estate business. That's what Washington is. Washington and fucking Mr. Priestley, executors of the estate, which is why they're so nosy about what's going on. But I mean, she's basically passing off the buck to her sister of her indecision where she's like, I can't fully decide, but if my sister says it's okay, then it's totally fine. Then yeah, yeah, that'll be the decision. And so on the 15th of this month, a day later, Anne writes in her diaries that Miss Walker had begun the copy of a letter to her sister to ask her opinion and advice about living with me. And that if her sister approves, she will do it. And it is to be as a marriage between them. And it says in parentheses, she kept to this even after the letter came from Miss Bentley with a melancholy account of Mr. Ainsworth. So in between this, they got another letter about Ainsworth. Oh, Ainsworth is in the dolefuls. He's so sad. And even though that happened, Ann Walker, in the midst of that, kept to her. No, we're totally going to do this and write my sister. And she continues, all a very unfair intruding of himself upon her remembrance. I mean, that's all he's doing is being unfair and intruding. She was melancholy for about an hour, but then recovered her spirits amazingly. Sat on my knee. (laughs) Hey! Hey! You always got somebody on your damn knee. I mean, I love it. I love it. These days, it's only Ann Walker on her damn knee. Reconciled to go abroad, and as if our being together was all but certain, depending only on her sister, the letter to go next Tuesday. So this is Ann being um, hopeful in this moment. Like, hey, she's writing to her sister. Everything's looking back. It's back up. It's working out. But... (laughs) The book is like, meanwhile, Anne wrote a long and somewhat disingenuous letter about her travel plans and attachment to Shibden to Mariana Lawton, our favorite ex who was helping her find a manservant, as we saw in her last letter to Mariana. She's like, Mariana, I'm sad. Help me find a manservant for my travels. You don't have to read that boring bit about Mariana, but on the 17th of December... The day starts with Ann Lister and Karanga Cross thinking about Miss Walker. Hey! You know what? It's always a good day best when you can incur across. The best part of waking <laughs> up is incurring across in the hut. Hey, that rhymes! It does. The moss hut, baby. So yes, incurred across last night thinking of Miss W. Miss W, not quite so well today, had been miserable again about Mr. Ainsworth. She read me what she meant to write to her sister, asking her opinion and advice on the subject of my proposal to our living together. She seemed wavering, and I said that things seemed now as uncertain between us as ever. I talked a little sentiment and argued against Mr. A and pressed her hard to decide. And one while, i.e. on one occasion, proposed not seeing her again till Christmas Day. Oh my gosh, that would be two weeks if she didn't see her till Christmas. When she expected her sister's answer. Oh, so she's saying that she proposed to Ann Walker that they not see each other until Christmas, which would be two weeks from the writing of the letter. (laughs) Then I brought her round to say that if her sister approved, there would no longer be any obstacle between us. And she would say a positive and decisive yes. She had another letter from her sister, evidently regretting that she had given up the thought of going abroad with me. And as far as Mrs. Sutherland well could, advising Mrs. W to reconsider the thing. So she's saying she got another, uh, a different letter from Elizabeth um, Sutherland, which is Ann Walker's sister, that 
she was like, well, if you was going to travel, why didn't you go? That's that's a good thing. Travel. Do it. Right. I mean, reconsider. Reconsider going on the grubble it. trip. It'll do your body good. But ultimately, like those entries I just read, it's like literally back and forth like you saw. Like Anne was doing the courting and Walker was doing the courting. And Anne Lister was like, would you look at this? Like mm -hmm. she's coming to me. She's doing this. She's saying it's all good. The next day she's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And the day after she's like, we're fine. We're good. We're going to write my sister. It's going to be great. See, I don't know. I don't know, though. Even if my sister says it's cool. Is it cool? Is it cool? Oh, look, my sister wrote today. She says it's great. Fantastic. My answer's a yes. Like, Ann Lister has whiplash, grubble lash from everything that's happening here. I feel so bad because this is a lot. This is a lot. It is. Um, and this is basically, you know, where we end these entries as is what is mostly relevant to this episode. It's the end of the year. It's New Year's, December 31st of uh, 1832, where Ann Lister's like, bitch, it's been a year. But I'll leave that for the last entry. Oh, I did want to make note of what Jeremiah Rawson says on the 24th of December, which, by the by, also on Christmas Eve, I mean, like there was any doubt, Ann Lister incurred a cross. Oh, oh, just before she? getting up, thinking of Miss W. I'm just saying, if she has to start her day, if she doesn't start Christmas Eve and going across thinking about Miss Walker, even though, mind you, even though she's like, I am stressed out about Miss Walker. I don't know what for sure is going on with Miss Walker. But what I do know is I will be incurring these crosses on a daily basis. So she writes about Jeremiah. Uh, yeah, we're on Christmas Eve. Oh, yeah. So she incurs a cross thinking of Miss W. Then writes, exactly as if she had been my regular mistress. Respect for her is quite gone in those matters, at least. <laughs> You're lying to yourself, Anlista. So she's like, you know what she said? Now, first of all, can we just take a side route to what this bitch said? She, you know what? First of all, and I thought you were a Christian. So she is on, <laughs> she is on the day before Christ's day, right. Christmas, it's, and it's she is in Cargill Cross. But what did she say? All is calm and all she is right. She said she thought of that hoe just as a mistress. Just as a mistress. I said, so what did you do in your head while you was fantasizing? Did you rip a petticoat? You were like, I don't rip the petticoats of ladies. I rip the petticoats of my mistresses. <laughs> so in this fantasy, Ann Walker, I rip thine petticoats. I'm just, totally over you, by the way. She by the has way. to qualify these feelings somehow. And, and she doesn't want to come out like a sucker. So she's just... A sucker to herself. Because well, yeah. I'm just sort of like, how else do you make sense of the sentence that she incurred across? Thinking of Miss Walker exactly as if she had been my regular mistress. Like, what do you think that means? If you had to guess. If I had to guess. I don't know. Um, it's just. And then it follows with the sentence. Respect for her is quite gone in those matters, at least. It's I mean, it's just the toils of the hot and coldness. I mean, but the fact that it's Christmas Eve. And you, you still don't got your answer. <laughs> that's that's this is this is looking really bad. Looking she bad. she out here slush shaming Ann Walker. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out what in Ann's head of what she imagines while she's grumbling has changed to put Miss Walker no longer in the category <laughs> of very fine lady, wife and material to mistress, bad woman. Like what scenario difference happens in the brain because she's still incurring a cross. And it's like Ann Lister thinks that she's kind of sinning every time she incurs a cross. Hence the title where she's like, Lord, forgive me for this gay thirstiness. I can't help myself. So then... What might she mean? What might she be implying with this fucking sentence? Exactly as if she'd been my regular mistress. Well, you know, no respect for her where that's concerned. It's like, does she picture her naked? Would you think that Ann Lister pictures Ann Walker clothed when she's thinking, when she's incurring a cross? 
but like the the mature kind of cross, like like the decent kind of cross. But when she's thinking of Anne Walker as a bad woman, does she think of other scenarios? Oh, like well, is Anne Walker naked versus with her chemise or whatever? I don't know. I'm thinking, a proper mistress. Well, I think that even these days, a proper mistress still uh, had some clothing on. So I'm not thinking that her thoughts of not Walker in that flashback of Mrs. Barlow. Oh, you where know she was what? like, you know what the prettiest part about you is. No. <laughs> Look, I'm still not over that. When I read that shit, I was like, she said what? I said a lot of things to people, but I have never said that. And that's not to say you can't compliment a person's nethers. I've just never said, like, fuck your face. <laughs> fuck your eyeballs. <laughs> fuck all these other attributes, hell, because the best thing about you is right there. It's right there. It's right there. It's the most beautiful thing. Isn't it so sad that you can't show nobody else how beautiful this is? Because if they knew. And it's just like, girl, what? So I just, I'm very tickled by this idea of Ann Lister creating categories in her head of women because she's still steeped into the patriarchy where that's concerned, where she's judging women based on their actions in this way. But in my mind, I'm just like, is that a, is that a naked grubble? Is that, oh, and Walker is now a bad woman. She's, she's a working woman. Like, how do I make her just my mistress, you know, <laughs> so that she's good for a good self grubble. She's good for incurring a cross. But you know, not wifey material. I don't know. I don't know. I would say sit in, sit in. If you, I, it doesn't have yeah, to be guys. concept art, but just what does that look like in Analyst's hat? What what does a uh, uh, a dirty Walker look like? What is what is what is dirty and Walker look like? I just need to. I need a concept. I mean, because everything I'm thinking of is like it's the same, but it's not. Like how do you how do you take your heart out of the grubbles? I mean, she's good at it, so she's gonna. She's going to hit the jackpot every single time. Mm-hmm. But how does she make it not personal? Like, I don't, I. It's, yeah, I don't, right. So I'm just trying to figure out what she did in her head. Like, what kind of thought process she was trying to engage in. But I also think the majority of that process is bullshit. Like, she out here saying some bullshit to herself half the time. Like, oh, <laughs> throw it as a mistress. Like, whatever. At least all the respect is gone where that's concerned. Like, girl, what? Respect? What is... You've been calling this bitch man key for two months. I'm not, I'm not sure that respect was ever there where that's concerned. I think you were confused the entire time. And a few days before that, she had written, I forgot to say, on December 19th, where she was like, dinner at 6.15, could not settle to do anything, sat leaning and sleeping on the sofa till my mind was composed. So interesting sentence that she sat leaning and sleeping on the sofa till her mind was composed because her mind was definitely out of sorts where Miss Walker is concerned. Then she writes, went into the other room at 9.15 and stayed talking to my aunt till 10.30. Told her of Mr. Jeremiah's, Rawson's note, though had not named it to the rest and said how things were with Miss W. She would either marry in a 12 month, no good match, or go to the dogs. That is, be poorly and unhappy and perhaps, like many such nervous people, take more than she ought. And that is, in parentheses, drink at last. She had everything to be wished for, but the power of enjoying it. Oh, imagine uh, just to be able to debauch your emotions and then you can't. It's not, you're not up there. You're not, it's, it's almost like you're chasing the high. It's an artificial high, but why? Because you can't enjoy it with the one that you want to enjoy. Oh, you're talking about Anlista? Yeah, it's yikes. Well, I mean, yeah, she's it's basically her cynicism, you know, fully set in about, yeah, she's upset again. This isn't going to work. Obviously, it's not working out. And I wish she could just be happy. I mean, she has everything a person needs to be happy except the ability to do it. So if you guys were wondering, oh, did any grubbles happen on Christmas Day? 
1832. Yes. Yes, they did. <laughs> we know that these bitches is fraught and Walker is confused every other day about whether or not she can grubble again, which is a lie because she grubbles the entire time, but she she stresses about it. Like she she's like, I don't know, babe. And then literally an hour later, we own the grubbles, which if people don't find that completely fucking hilarious, I just don't fucking know. So on Tuesday, December 25th, Christmas in Halifax. It was very stormy, too rainy for Miss W to go to church. And so Ann Lister sat with her till one. First part of the entry we see, grubbled her a little, just a little light grubbling for Christmas. And you can imagine what Ann Walker, what is written about Ann Walker afterwards. She said she did not think it right. Oh, great. Wished we could do without it. Wished you could do without it. Wished you could do without the grubbles, but you both know you're both too fucking gay to stay away from the grubbles. Because if that were the case, there would be no grubbling right now. You would have stuck to your scruples about church and shit. And Anna would have stuck to her scruples about bad women and she's just a mistress and I don't even care. But here you are. Anyways, where was I? All right. Wished we could do without it. At breakfast, I referred to her scruples and wishes and said I would try not to care for her in that particular way. Sat talking all morning, combating her scruples and really thought I had made some impression and done her good. Till on going away and asking her to write and tell me how she was tomorrow, she said, oh no, she should be no better and burst into tears. And I left her thinking, I never saw such a helpless person in my life. How miserable, said I to myself. Thank God my own mind's not like hers. What could I do with her? I, this is, I don't know. I just feel like I'm just seeped in mess. I'm seeped in mess, but I still, but I'm rooting. I'm rooting for all the unanswered uh, Ainsworth letters. I'm rooting for- what? <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me you root for Ainsworth letters. I'm rooting for the unanswered Ainsworth letters. Like they're still, uh, they have not gone. Answered. They don't need to. They don't need to answer every single Ainsworth right. letter. He is mad annoying. He no, he is. He is. I don't think this is right. I mean, I'm, of course, I'm gonna glow and be giddy and be fresh faced and beautiful after, but I don't think we should be doing this. These things. Now on this day. Now on the day of our Lord. <laughs> Seriously, at the end of that Christmas Day entry, she's just like, well, she went to the hut at one thirty-five, knelt down and prayed and thanked God as well as she could for 10 minutes, then sat down in the hut and tried to sleep, musing and slumbering. Then the following day, you know, she goes from the hut to Lydgate. Yes, she slept there all night. And um, she writes about Ann Walker that her scruples seem abated. Talked of keeping on Lydgate for us to return to. Her going to York and Langton, i.e. the North Cliffs, and our being off on the last day of next month. But I attached in reality no importance to all of this, well knowing that tomorrow she might be all on the other side of the question. So this is where we are with Ann Lister, where she's like, she here we are again. Yep. We're talking about positive stuff. But honestly, I'm not sticking no hope to the shit. It's December 26th. This has been two and a half months, three months, really, of every day going back and forth. So at this point, I'm just sort of like, OK, we'll see what happens. But I'm not I'm not feeling it like that or at least feeling the inspiration that it's going to go down. And then a couple days later, three days later. In specific, at last, the long-awaited reply from Elizabeth Sutherland. So Ann Walker's sister has finally responded, theoretically giving us the answer we need for Ann Walker to go forward without any problems like she said was the case. And her sister writes, or rather she has a note from Miss Walker about receiving a letter from her sister that reads, quote, I have had a letter from my sister saying everything that is kind. She advises our taking lodgings in York for the winter, going to visit her in the summer, then if we are both in the same mind, make our tour of the continent next year. She adds that she believes, I think at this present time, that I shall never marry. 
So, so is this her uh, co-signing the decision? Yes, that's the sister co-signing. She's like, <laughs> and she's like, bitch, I don't think you'll ever get married. You're 29, how like <laughs> clearly, clearly, clearly. You mean not to take Ainsworth or any other man. When Anne finishes later in this entry, well, surely it is settled now and she will waver no more. I will be off as soon as I can. How little Mrs. Sutherland guesses the real truth and how coolly she plans for us. Her plans would never do for me. Have all the pother for nothing. Merely to take care of her until Mr. Ainsworth was ready for her. I am not quite so simple as that. So here we have uh, bitchy, shady... And with a bit of attitude because she's like, oh, I'm supposed to get this whole ready for Ainsworth. I'm supposed to take care of her, gobble her, keep her. I mean, because that's what for it would have been had the letter went another way. Like, dear oh, you sister, think so? dear sister, take Mr. Ainsworth. Yes. Oh, no. He's clergy. Wait, wait, what she said? I'm not going to do it, but. He's a clergyman. Right. He's a clergyman. <laughs> Lord. And so this is essentially how we end off as we get to the last entry of the year. The Nature's Domain writes, Anne Lister was still living the incessant tensions. She was pleased to be off traveling with Anne Walker, but she remained jaundiced about the pull of conventional marriage for such women. The last day of the year offered an opportunity for reflection. Monday, December 31st. Our going to York apparently at an end parted in tears, both of us. I saying I never did or could understand her. Um, then we have dinner at 6, 15, afterward to sleep on the sofa till 9. Awoke better. This girl, without really having my esteem or affection, somehow or other, unhinges me whenever I see her. Well, here is the end of another year. How different this New Year Eve from the last. Though in each case, unsuccessful lovemaking. What will be the leading event of the next 12 months? How different my situation now and this time last year? Quite off with M. Veer, married and off at Rome, but we are and are likely to be excellent friends. Miss W, as it were, come and gone, known and forgotten, and myself, what I have never been before since the age of 15, absolutely untied to anyone. I never stood so alone, and yet I am far happier than I have been of long. I am used and reconciled to my loneliness. I shall do, some way or other, whatever adventure will come next. Who will be the next tenant of my heart? Providence orders all things wisely. Well, it sounds like she's summed up everything that she's she's weighing a lot more of the losses versus the wins. I mean, she's she may do with the shitty hand that she had and she's just wants to see that investment really bloom into like some outstanding fruition in this moment. The sentiment she's expressing is it's all done. In this moment, she's essentially saying that she's been involved with some woman intimately, emotionally, and otherwise since she was 15, that she has been tethered to a bitch. She's been tethered to Eliza. She's been tethered to Mariana. She's been tethered to Isabella. She was pining over Mrs. Brown, a.k.a. Callisto. She was pining over Mrs. Barlow to a certain extent. Like, there's Mrs. Ilm, like, all these other fucking bitches. So I'm saying that, like, She's resigned herself to being alone. It's hopeful that there's another adventure. She right. literally ends it saying, who will be the next tenant of my heart? But, there is no current tenant. But, right. It's tenant so, free. But, okay. So, I'd rather her understand her worth. I want her to be happy at the end. I would love for this arc for her. The end of this year is like, okay, well, Walker's here. But she's saying, this was a lot. <laughs> Ultimately, she said this was a long ass year. B. Yes, and it, it was. It was. Yes. So, even if she has, uh, however, she needs to mentally placate Walker, have her around, 
enjoy it while you got it. And and don't Wait, let enjoy it break... what her adventure? Yes. And don't let the it single break... life? Sure. You wanna be on top? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I mean, the only person she's feeling positive about in this respect is Veer. Because she's basically like, Well, you know, Mariana and Mariana's that old problem that has been just there for twenty fucking years. Veer was problematic, but she's like, Veer and I are friends. And Veer and I will probably stay friends, so that's not that's not a problem. But when it comes to Ann Walker, she's like, ah, da, 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 da. Oh, no, no, no. I'm shell-shocked, and it's over. But quite frankly, it makes sense for anyone with an idea of common sense and just, like, isn't a masochist. Right. It's like, well, what am I worth? What so, am I worth to me? Right. What is my heart At a certain point, you me? have to be like, look, like, <sighs> girl, look. You have said that you were on and then off and then on and then off. I've lost count. It's done. I am a, I am a ridiculous optimist. And you've worn me down. And Lister the optimist. And I'm, I'm out of optimism. But so. my sister wrote a letter. She said I would never marry. <laughs> and she's like, but what did you say after that? <laughs> I said I, I didn't know if, if I should maybe take Mr. Ainsworth and like exactly exactly we're back here so poor Ann Lister ends her year that uh, well she's lying herself because she's when she talks about Ann Walker she's like coming gone and known and forgotten and I'm like forgotten you just incurred a cross about a bitch talking about well you know at least I can think of her as a mistress at least at least it's that I have no more respect for Ann Walker I just I just incur a cross like she's a regular bad woman that I see in the brothel. <laughs> uh, on this emotional roller coaster, um, she hasn't missed. Uh, she hasn't missed a chance to get near queer when it was close by her. Um, Who, she has Alistair? not. Yeah, remember she, she cut not, a lock of pubes. She got near queer. Yeah, so she hasn't. And when she wasn't near enough to be queer, she was able to incur a cross. So she's she's had a, a heavy emotional year, but she's had a healthy cycling of um of um she was able to expel a lot. So so I'm I'm happy for that for her. But this is still heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. I didn't like the getting beat up part. I, I'd rather that not happen so much. Right. Um, and I don't know why and Walker thinks it's fine to just have all these hoops that this person should just be willing and okay to jump through. I uh, I don't think I don't think it's okay. And I think she's consistently self-deprecating like this is horrible. This is horrible. This is horrible. I'm horrible. It's uh, to me, it's and she's in that space where she can't help it at this time. Like she's just so she's obviously someone who doesn't handle conflict well. Mm. And if we go from the fictional account of what her family has been like or what we've been seeing, that assertive behavior, decisive behavior, that's just not, that's not in Ann Walker's wheelhouse. And then you add this other stuff that's like your soul, your internal soul. And she's apparently just glitched all the way out and she can't, she can't do both where she's like, I'm with you, Ann, and everything makes sense and it's fine. But now you're over there. These other people are here. They're talking that shit and I just, now they're just as important in my head as you are in my head. And that's the problem is that she's putting everyone at and the like same equal, tier. Yeah, She's like, well, Mrs. Priestley said this and Ainsworth said this and his wife thought this. And it's like, bitch, you need to prioritize you. Right. What do you want? What will make you happiest? But she has, I don't think she knows how to do that. 
it's like, oh, I love everything you do and what we do together. But then there are all these haters and they equally matter, if not more so because they're louder and they're more uh, a mainstay in my brain when you're away from me. So, yeah, I do see what you're saying with that. So, eesh, eesh. Right. And in Gentleman Jack, the real and Lister, they had a another piece of that crying fest that happens also on the 31st of December, where it says, Miss Walker fretted and cried and sighed and said she should not live long. I proposed her returning her notes and having mine. She said she had burned all that were material and wished to keep the rest. I begged to see them and then had no objection to her keeping them. She begged me not to send back her history of Paris in three volumes. It would be of no more use to her, and she wished me to keep it. Parted in tears, both of us, I saying I never did or could understand her. So that's how they part ways. And then when Ann Lister is alone by herself, she writes that diary entry where she accounts all of the day's happenings like she normally does and then ends with like, well, well, here's to, here's to the end of another year, bitch. And look who's single. The bitch who's never been single. Me. Wow. But you know what? It's not that bad. It's not that bad. Being single, not having a grumble. It's not that bad. Look, this is the first time I've ever been single since I was 15. That's a long ass motherfucking time not to be single. And so really, I feel like this is this is the best that it's ever been for me. Matter of fact, this is what I feel like it needs to be. I could just see endless yourself talking in the mirror like, bitch, you got this, bitch. Whatever. Dust it off your shoulders. <laughs> like, whatever, bitch. It's fine. It's fine. You good? You good? Go jaunt into town. Buy a book. <laughs> but in this entry, you know, from earlier in that day, which I will be decoding that whole page, because every time I see the dot, dot, dots now, I know. That they left stuff out. It's like when I found those extra parts of Mrs. Barlow when I was decoding. And I was like, wait a minute. This is way dirtier and gayer than I thought. Oh, my God. And so I need to make sure that there's, you know, there wasn't a mid-grubble session in this fight. Because that would totally make sense. It would be mm -hmm. on brand for these bitches. Like, oh, my God, we can't do this. Grubble, grubble, grubble. I'll see you. Never? Maybe? Tomorrow? Not sure. Um, but yeah, so it ends pretty sadly, which is like episode five. I mean, and we've, you'll see as we go on to episode six and as the show continues to go on, like where these things overlap, even though they're all kind of in the same time, but we end in this bad way, which is basically episode five, which is basically like, oh, so we're done, right? We're done. We've broken up. Yikes. Oh, oh well. Did you say, oh, well? Yeah. Like this is yikes territory for me. I wanted happiness. And it went down the hill, and then I fell down the hill at it's, the base. It's been rolling yes. down the hill for quite some time. And uh, and I already know from the beginning, uh, from the top, we you know it doesn't get better, <laughs> not immediately anyway. So what doesn't get better? All of my grieving hazards, all of the things that I, I don't want. Uh, there's gonna be more things that I don't want. Nothing's getting any better yeah. yeah you know what's getting better the grubbles and you can't convince me otherwise oh i'm <laughs> sure because ann walker's getting more and more stressed and yet the grubbles continue and i have to assume they have to intensify because you can't be bugging out like ann walker and not have an intense grubble she probably saying some real intense shit during the grubble and ann lister's just like yo what what well, I feel like that pretty much sums up the copious notes and things and things and things we had for episode five. I feel like this episode will be decently long, but all of our episodes are decently long, so that's not unusual. Par for the course. Got a couple lovely messages from listeners in the past was like week and a half that we've been dying very slowly from allergies and whatnot. But I want to shout out Alana for sending us a, a message about sharing in our obsession. 
Oh, yes. Alana says that she is especially enjoying the historical nightcaps, thinks it's a great name, and that she's currently on her fifth book about the delicious Ann Lister. Truly cannot get enough of her. And that she gets a kick out of the entries we highlight and the personal takes we have on them. Well, we are so glad. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. I like how she adds, like, keep up the good work and feel free to hit me up anytime you want to talk Anne or Shade on fucking Mariana. Mm. Twat. And I was like, see, a listener after mine own heart. If I'm not bitching about Mariana, is it me? Is it me? No. Um, so lots of love to you in Minnesota, Alana. Thank you for reaching out. Sounds like a Charles Berger account. (laughs) (laughs) I fucking can't with you. Talk to me if you've got any shade about Mariana. It's like, is that your wife? (laughs) He's he's the president of the Shade Mariana Club, Charles Lawton. Oh, God. Treasurer, president, and secretary. I like this email. There's a lot going on here in this email. Is that a fleur de neuf? Nothing's uh, right, I'm tall. I think there's a government fleur name at the bottom. De neuf. Okay, so. Mm. Marshmallows and champagne. I'm so fancy, you guys. By the way, it's 729 in the AM. Oh, yes. The official fleur. On the Sabbath. The official fleur emails us. And uh, yes, uh, I'm loving it. It's like, uh, ooh, yay. Wait. Uh, <laughs> Oh, God, this fucking congestion. No, I know. Let's see. I feel um, like my, my laughs are all going to be edited out so they don't sound horrible, like I'm dying. Oh, okay. So this is what's happening because it's it's uh, it's encompassing a lot. Like there's Gentleman Jack, but then there's also Kenny Eve. So, so not to try to skim through for the Gentleman Jack. She oh. gives separate comments per yes. episode. Yes. I, She's I, that I, awesome. Yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And this is me reading the letter and not to you guys like you guys <laughs> don't also need to know. So um, if we started from the episode one in the series nightcap, um, uh, Flo Geno, uh was uh, wondering also if um, when we brought up the fact that Eugenie being a woman of color and if it was true or plausible that she also got curious. And uh, she mentions that we brought up that slavery was outlawed in Britain in 1833 uh great britain versus the caribbean also a major factor in that so that is, is also very, very when true. slavery was abolished in the caribbean in 1833 as well so yeah because those uh those slaves were getting knock if you buck uh-huh. oh, <laughs> and oh, they were oh, like you know what like, we we don't want like, we, we out these yeah we're, just, just, we're gonna leave y'all bitches we need alone a different turning the fuck up right we, where's nah. albuquerque i ain't got time you <laughs> <laughs> said albuquerque lord let me make a left turn this is this is crazy uh, so, uh, right. Uh, do do so. Um, now, right, exactly. For those who have already made the passage and were already slaves and in Britain at that time, you know, those too late to be liberated. I mean, maybe they had descendants and things of that nature. So, yeah. Oh, this was fun. Um, Eugenie. Well, anytime I see a person with melanin in a period piece, I'm gonna be like, tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> is she real or is she fake? I mean, well, oh, yes. See, she's also a big believer on whether or not these ladies that are in Anne's life are if they were actually identified as straight or gay, even if they weren't hard coded. It's like they've had a life that they live is a spectrum. Thank you. you Right. And she definitely points that out. That's my job. If you enjoyed the Grubbles. okay. I've said this before, but if you 
enjoyed the Grubbles. If you endeavored upon the Grubbles, if you instigated the Grubbles, are you straight? Just, what is this propaganda? It, that's, what that, that's is going the thing. on? That is Who decided? That is Who's decided? Who said? Well, you can grubble and still be a hat. <laughs> you can enjoy the grubbles and still be a hat. Right. I just don't. I feel like that's not how it works. But all right. Okay. All I right. mean, somebody feels like that. That's what it is. It's like, well, it doesn't who, matter that what. Person, yeah, that person. We can't trust that person. Right. I mean, there's a blurb of the Northern accents, but we don't know this. Uh, so, I mean. But she is a history person, too. <laughs> yeah. She likes the details. Yes. That's fantastic. But I appreciated the history on accents. I was yes. like, don't give Terrence any history lessons because they don't matter <laughs> with respect to what <laughs> accents he does. Right. But we'll take that information. Thank I mean, you. We'll try to apply. I'll, well, I'll, I'll, I'll take don't a shot in the dark. Don't lie to her. I'll take a shot in the dark. Yeah, that's, that's about as good as it gets. Yes. Let's shot in the dark. Mm, doo, doo. Oh, yes. <laughs> Deadly, brilliant, bold. I love it. I love Nothing's it. Nothing's right, I'm <laughs> She was like, why do we remember all these lyrics in the 90s? I'm like, girl, I don't fucking I don't know. know. They're just in my head. I have I... infomercials in my head. I yes. have commercials in my head. Junk that doesn't belong there. And I'm just like, how do I clear the cash that is the gray matter of my brain? How do I do that? Uh, I don't know. Maybe if I stuff enough other stuff in there, like jaunty goodness, endless or stuff, just other queer content, I can slowly there, push it out. But right. I don't think it'll ever be pushed. I just think it keeps compounding on top of each other. I mean, that's like... Like, what if I get Alzheimer's and I'm like 92 and they ask me something and I'm like, education connection. Like, like what if I'm singing a, an well, infomercial? At least you're better than me. I'll be like, I will remember you. They would call me the human karaoke. They're like, this bitch is be cycling through shit. She don't make no damn sense. She sounds like a broken TV. Put me in a time capsule, right? Baby. And then someone will finally figure it out. I'm like, oh, she's like a meme machine. Oh my God. I could totally be a meme machine. Like, I could see my brain malfunctioning in that spectacular, very specific way. Mm-hmm. Education, connection. And I brought that up because, you know, as a New Yorker, those infomercials have played a lot. A lot. And we all know that jingle. It's like those lawyer jingles where you're just like, mm, I know how to call four lawyers mm-hmm. automatically. Mm-hmm. Don't need those lawyers. Wait, what's that other one that's um that's the, the car service? Oh, with all the sevens? <laughs> <laughs> So you already knew exactly uh-huh. what it was. But yeah, they're, New York's full of jingles for random things. You need a carpet cleaner. You need if a you're not sure stall. if the jingle is still alive, it is in New York City. Yes. It's like um, Portlandia, but like jingles are alive in New York City where they will never die. Never. You know what? I think we actually got another picture of another picture of Ann Walker <sighs> traveling, making her way downtown. Jaunting fast, gay uh, as fuck, but and I, she's thirsty. Yes, I, I, yes. Okay, Where, wherever so. it may live, I'm, I'ma show ya. Oh, I totally forgot that we had gotten an email a while ago. Here we are. Oh my god! You know what it was? I didn't get to see all these fucking pictures because I've been sick and under the weather. Oh, bitch! Thirsty Anna's taking drinks. I will be re-gramming this right away. I feel like a fucking hell for not seeing this right away, but don't blame me. Blame my sinuses. Let me pull it up for you. Here we go. So you can... <gasps> Ooh, this part of the journey! Sorry! And uh, Walker and her candle of thirst and She's her vapors, they spread! They spread to Berlin! 
Ooh. Where else have the vapors gone? Where else have they gone, Terence? Uh, let's see. She was truly on her joint this time. After visiting the famous Brandenburg Gate and TV Tower, she set her eye on a gay prize and visited the site of Berlin Pride to the memorial to the queer victims of the Nazi regime. And finally, Frogenbend. I feel Frog- like you didn't say that right. Frogenbend. Apologies to Frog-nabend. all of the four lines. I can't say this right. From Germany. Frogenbend. I feel like I'm saying I'm it. Really- I can't do it. You know, I can't see what you're supposed but, to be saying. Ladies and everyone's I feel like it sounds bar. wrong, but that could just be me being shady. Uh, she may have had a few too many beers. But what happens in Berlin stays in Berlin. Plus, Wait, who had too many if, beers? Anne Walker? Anne, I, I love this. If Anne can have a little fun, so can Anne. That's right. Hey! That's right. That's right. I, I that love grubble that. together, stay together. That's oh, not true, is... but it should be. This is, this is so fun. Oh my this God, this is, so is booze. This yes. is beer. Yes. Yes. One day we've got to have a beer with Caitlin. Ugh, yes. One of these days. One of these jaunty days. <sighs> Every time I get images about Patron Saint on her world tour of the gay agenda, I am so filled with yes. groveling love. So, of course, another spectacular wonderful thrilled and jaunty shout out to caitlin for sending us some new inspired photos of the of our patron saint of fest on her thirsty fucking pilgrimage across europe it's so fucking great we have not regrammed it yet but by the time you hear this motherfucking recording it will totally be regrammed because i'm gonna do it i'm doing it right now even though it's a quarter 8 a.m on the sabbath day of our lord it's yeah, that's the time. But it's Sunday, so not that that makes the time any different. I don't. <laughs> I honestly don't know why I use it as an excuse. It's 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 purposeless, you guys. Yeah, Caitlin, you are the shit. Um, I know this might seem like what's the word um, presumptive, but I can't wait to see where Thirsty Ann goes next. No, I mean I, right. She could go on a piece of sidewalk. She could go to a backyard. Okay. She could go to AMC in Berlin. Are there AMCs? Probably, right? Like, wait a minute. No, because they just opened an AMC in Dubai, remember? Like they last did. year. So there's got to be one in Berlin. So point being, you can take that bitch anywhere. A regular, regular, schmegular place. And we will still love it because it oh, is yeah. across the seas spreading the vapors of the gay agenda just as we wanted. We thank you and appreciate you so much for it. I think I'm out of stuff. I... <laughs> uh, if you guys want to give us more stuff to uh, gab and gaff about, I mean, you could definitely reach out to us at gentlemanjackcrack at gmail at Instagram or Instagram.com forward slash gentlemanjackcrack. That's our user. <laughs> I mean, you can say it either way, forward or back. Um, Gentleman Jack podcast for no is it gentleman crack is twitter gentleman um, crack feels like twitter but it's like what? no gentleman crack gentleman crack is twitter okay listen crack. oh and we have a facebook page now some of you fucking people like three of you found that facebook page where i preemptively put the message like this will probably be the most ragged of our social means so do not judge us do not judge harshly because look i I do my best, okay? Until we get a jaunty intern up in this bitch. <laughs> yeah. We're trying, you guys. We really are. A shout out to our Patreon supporters. A few more of you have signed up, you lovely people. And 
perhaps you've seen a new thing we're doing called the Gruber Confessions. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> it's absurd. It's ridiculous. I recorded an intro to the Gruber Confessions, <laughs> but full disclosure, full disclosure, as I said to you, lovely listeners on the Patreon, that it was an obscene amount. Like the, the time in the morning was obscene. My sanity wasn't altogether there. And so what I recorded, I left it up there. I didn't delete it. But like... I got to the light of day and I heard myself and I was like, bitch, what, what the is that? <laughs> what are you doing? Just the whole concept was like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And then taxi cab confessions, of course. And I was like, okay, Gruber confessions. That works for entries and things and things and things. And I was like, well, let me try to pull some Gruber type lines and say them over this fucking jaunty trap music, which you're like, can it's jaunty trap music? Yeah, I tried to do it like we said we were going to do. And it's just, it's a, it's a beautiful mess. The Patreon listeners seem to be into it thus far, <laughs> or at least they haven't shamed me. They right, haven't right. been like, wow, what we was appreciate that? You wow, what's so going much. on? Did you just say sitting on your knee like a lesbian Santa Claus? I was speaking as Ann Lister in that, oh. but that's what I said. It's absurd. Mm. I, I let a friend listen and she said, did you say lesbian Santa Claus sitting on your knee like lesbian Santa Claus? I was like, look, that is what I said. And um, I'm standing by it at this time. <laughs> but, see, but see, now I want all the Kris Kringles in the wall to be women and I don't want men sitting on their laps. That's, Look, that's, you know that fits my misogyny <laughs> agenda, so I'm not going to disagree with you on those wishes. Not at all. Yeah. So if you're interested in finding out what the fuck these Gruber confessions are, ad infinitum in terms of what we do over there, you just head over to Patreon. Oh, yeah. But we do have um, two episodes right now of the Gruber confessions up there, and there'll be more. And there's other stuff, watch throughs and stuff, because there are some I've realized that I've left out way too many salacious entries, but they're not necessarily relevant to what we're talking about, which is why I just leave them behind. But we need to revel in just how gay and jaunty Ann Lister was. And so that is what the Gruba confessions are for, which I can't wait to get to Mrs. Barlow. And that one time and was grumbling and was like, you know, what the prettiest part, I'm just still not over it because I can't believe she said it in the in the 19th century. She said that to a bitch. I was like, gays don't ever change. It don't matter what century you're in. A gay will say some jaunty shit like that to a bitch. And straight face. Straight face. I was like, mm. I mean it. Do you see? Do you see how, mm. how gay this face is? But anyways. Hang it. This queer girl's done. And that's me. <laughs> I'm done. It's about to be 8 a.m. Yes, it's, it's about a to wrap. be 8 a.m. Uh, it's a wrap. My champagne's gone. My uh, Hawaiian oh, yeah. mimosas. Those no more fine. Malibu for me. Guys, look, I made it through. Right. You know? And I still just gotta, what, do I wanna, I gotta go home, change. Are you, are you gonna <laughs> yep. be productive? Yep. Nah. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Woo! Um, best of luck to you, dear uh -huh, sir. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, also, for those of you who are looking for like links for like the candle and stuff and stuff and stuff, I know I said it would be up a week ago and it is not. Again, blame my allergies. Blame the world and the air trying to kill me. Okay, if you don't hear me laughing as much this episode is because the laugh sounded like death and it was edited out and I'm sorry, but that was real life and um, you were dying too. Oh, yes. Oh, that reminds me. We have to think of a place to get champagne for when we do well, well. I know. We do. <laughs> we do. Okay, yeah, so let's do our final toast. Yes. Why don't you go first, Daddy? Uh, I guess I'll... And we are drinking champagne if you guys are curious. I guess this toast could be to the sister of Ann Walker who gets this letter and she's like, what? 
I I have to stop rearing my children so that I can help you figure out whether or not you should be burying this man. Some of these gays. This I just 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 have your life. I don't I don't think you'll ever marry. You just. Do what you gotta do, <laughs> but if you come to visit, you, you know, know you're never gonna take a man, Anne. Right? Like, God, God. So I mean, cheers, cheers to her because. She, cheers she... to Mrs. Sutherland. Cheers to Elizabeth. Oh, I'm not trying to cut off your cheers. I see. I this know. is what happens when I'm already. <laughs> I know we're we're two steps. Anne says the dolefuls. I say right. the woefuls for my sanity. So. <laughs> but yes, uh, Mrs. Sullivan. You know, many, many thanks for you to help try to bring some queer resolution to uh, our jaunty gays who have kept doing the will they won't they dance for like months. So we thank you for just being the final answer that still was like almost not really the final answer because they tried to back out of it. But at least you tried to be like, just be gay. And we appreciate you for that. Oh, is your cheers done? Oh, yes. Um, okay. Maybe the... Uh, grubble on Christmas Eve or the grubble on Christmas Day on Christmas morning. <laughs> Christmas morning grubbles. Twas the night before Christmas and all through the Hubble. <laughs> <laughs> not, not a, a lesbian. Right. Not a lesbian disturbed, not even a grubble. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my God. Now we have to write a Christmas book, but okay. Tis the, <laughs> Tis the season to be grubbling. Fa la 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 la. <laughs> oh my gosh. I always get ridiculously silly at the end of these things. Okay, so I will cheers to <laughs> epic gay sadness. No, um, I am going to cheers to Christmas grubbles, as you said. I mean. Uh, the year ended real rough for Ann Lister and to be fair, Ann Walker, because she's still emotionally going through it. But these bitches are so gay that even when the worst of emotional turmoil is happening, they still get on the grubbles. And no matter what happened, no matter what pretty scene they made on that Christmas day, they also grubbled. And that is what we have to remember. Oh, yes. In the good times, you grubble. In the bad times, you grubble. Yes. And in the confused and in peril times. You know what you do, Terrence? You grubble. You grubble. And so I want to shout out the Christmas grubbles. In fact, that will go on a t-shirt that will just be given to someone because I think that phrase should exist. Christmas grubbles. Christmas Maybe give it to your bae on grubbles. Christmas and be like double entendre. Hey, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know what mm-hmm. this means. I also want to cheers to Ainsworth getting the fuck out. I mean... Between the show and his letters and the entries, I'm completely and totally done. Cheers to Ainsworth. Never being seen or heard from again with any luck in this show. And um, I also would like to cheers Aunt Anne. Not having any goddamn time or space for Abbott. Because I feel like, considering Aunt Anne never got married, that she, deep down, is a true misandrist. Oh, yes. Because... She got no time. I had... Like my kitty cat. No time for Abbott. This toast is a mess. It was like last week where I was, I was like, I don't even know what I'm toasting. Here's toasting. Here's to, here is to the power of the grubble maintaining through the head agenda. Oh, yes. That was, a, that was an intense clink. It, it was. But this was an intense episode. It so. sure was. Do any of your friends drink champagne at eight in the morning before they go to work? <laughs> you know. Actually, <laughs> don't do Actually, me. yes. Um, and considering that we started at night and we have been here 
long enough to be having mimosas at the appropriate time for mimosas because a mimosa is like a brunch thing. It and is. we're not at brunch, but it's brunch somewhere in um oh, Europe. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, this worked out fine. <laughs> <laughs> it did. You enjoyed the Malibu? I did. The coconut rum. I always, I always enjoy coconut rum. This was lovely. It was. Well, friends, we are delighted that you joined us for another exceptionally long nightcap. We hope you <laughs> we hope you enjoyed yourself and the tales of Gribbles. I'm honestly, I can't, I'm to the point where I don't even remember what I said this episode. So I don't fucking know how to end this. I'm sorry. You'll sorry. have a line. I'm going to yell a thing and then um, I'm not going to hold it. I'm just going to yell it. And then yeah, I'm going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then that'll be that for me. So, it, And that's that on that. Right. As always, guys, we love you. And stay tuned uh, for our next episode titled... What's this? This is going to be episode seven? Episode six. Oh, thank God. Because I was like, this is way too close to penultimate. And I don't know. So, Oh, my God. If it was episode seven... Yeah, episode six is actually entitled, Do Ladies Do That? (laughs) (laughs) And we are way too sleep deprived to take because we will take all of those jokes. Every single one of those jokes, any fucking bad pun. This is the time, guys. This is peak time for bad puns. So that's how we know we have to end it. End it here. So I'm looking forward to that. I know you're looking forward to that. There's many answers to that question. Do oh, ladies oh, do that? Oh, oh. But the primary answer is yes. Oh, whatever, yes. whatever you're talking about, hell yes. Yes. All you gotta do is say yes. That's it. That's it. Just, just say yes. Mm-hmm. Flow, mm-hmm. Flowetry shout out mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. But like we said, we love you. All right. Until next time, everyone. Cue the jumpy music. Yes. And remember that Ann Walker is so goddamn man keen that Ann Lister is still talking about it three months later after the first couple. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Good night. Actually, it's Good morning. Say things. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Bye. Regency era lesbians. Oh, my God.